Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. All right, we're back in here once again. Uh, this is Trace Fowler, not Tom Brenneman as usual, and this is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers. The Reds did not play yesterday. They got rained out. Rained out's probably a term that's uh, it's a little vague in the, in the scenario that they are in. There was obviously the hurricane situation going on in Los Angeles, which pushed the games back. The Reds now will play on Thursday uh, two games instead of the three-game set with the Angels. And the Bengals, the Bengals have some news. They're in the news. Uh, Joe Mixon obviously coming out with some public statements on not only some media reporters, but then also the news in the NFL that is Jonathan Taylor seems to be available. As always, around the office, many times people want to make jokes about these running backs. We'll probably get into it today. I guess... Many people are thinking Jonathan Taylor's worthless. He can't help the Bengals. I digress. I do think that that could be the case. We'll get into that just a little bit. People think I'm trolling when I say that, and I really don't think that I am. I really don't think that I am. Now, again, I understand why you might believe that, uh, that running backs aren't that big of a deal, but I also think the windows of opportunity to win a Super Bowl don't come around all that often. Just ask almost every other team in the league outside the Patriots uh, and the Chiefs in recent years. In other news, uh, I had to stay up late, 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 late last night. Uh, oh. So I am not very rested like I was the other day. And I do want to get out in front of something after I make this statement. Um, I did edit most of the featured film that is me and Elliot playing golf. Uh, I believe that will come out tomorrow for those that are waiting for that. Uh, I do think that it's going to be funny, if nothing else. We'll see if it's entertaining enough for you to watch it all the way through. But... Um, but it was, it, it was what it was. The next match has been set for Monday. Um, and if you're asking why Monday instead of Thursday, you just take a look at the weather. And it's about 150 degrees on Thursday. And we decided that that's not a good idea to go out and play golf. Fellas is in the room. I'm going to need their help today because when the Reds don't play um, and the Bengals don't play and FC Cincinnati doesn't play and the yeah. Cyclones don't play. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, it's tough to do a show. It's tough to do a show. Am I missing anybody? Did I miss anyone in that bunch? I think I did. Let's play a game. You want to play a game real quick? Let's play a what game. Games? It's called, let's name an FC Cincinnati player. Acosta. Go ahead. Go ahead name one. Acosta. Full name, full name please. Um. Ooh, I got two. I got two it starts FCC with an players. L, Trace. On, on, it starts with Lot, And it's not Lionel. Is it Lionel? No, it's not Lionel. <laughs> of course, there that's There is a messy. soccer player with that name. <laughs> I went for it, okay? Sorry. Luciano. Luciano. Luciano oh, yeah, that was it. I just, man, right off the top of my head. I can't believe I forgot. <laughs> so I know him. All due respect, of course. I know him, and I know one other, and it's the Lakota West grad, Nick Hagland. Oh, yes, Nick I should. Dang, I knew that. And I know Mitch says no, too. I know Mitch says no. Brandon so, Vasquez. Well, we all got one except for Tracy got half of one. Miazga. All right, I want to get out in front of something. Okay? Oh, gosh. I do. All right, I got up this morning, started getting dressed, was heading, making my way into the, uh, the office. I put on this shirt, all right? And uh, I'm not defending Reed. I'm not trying to happen uh, to, to say that uh, Reed doesn't do these things on purpose. But I got to be honest, I almost took the shirt off and decided I was going to wear a new shirt. Um, largely because this is a large, okay? I, I don't know where, where, what world we've lived in, but I don't know. But like, this thing barely makes it to my waist. 
the arms basically if you look at these things i don't even i'm not even strong you can see my farmer stand shout out farmers uh we need them um <laughs> yeah. i i mean seriously it's like basically a tank top and it's a large it says large on the back of this this is not a large okay i don't know at what point in the apparel company history decided you know what let's start doing some things differently let's make this a little bit smaller maybe a little bit tighter i'm not i don't work out like i said before uh maybe you heard this maybe you haven't when i used to work out uh in college because they forced me legitimately forced me to go do these things um you know, I used to joke with my coach and said the Yankees don't scout Gold's Gym. Um, now, the only thing about that is is that that's probably why I wasn't a great baseball player because I just wasn't strong enough to compete at the highest level. So that's that. I'm not, not downplaying what uh, – I don't want anyone coming after me in my DM saying, oh, you know, working out is important. I know that. I'm just trying to make fun of the fact that there are people that take that probably a little too serious. Um, anyways, Reed, I, I tell you what. Even better, you know, I don't know if you can do this or, or not, Casey, on the fly. My favorite thing about Reed Mouse is this. Uh, Reed does come into the office every once in a while. And as many of you people that say, fire Reed, fire, fire Reed, fire Reed. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, Reed's a great employee. Uh, I say that because I have to say that before I, I get on him a little bit. If you zoom in on Reed's shirt, it's wrinkly. I want to know where the hell he pulled this thing out at. <laughs> I, I, did, he, did, did this thing even, was it, was it ever washed? It was what, washed. What, what, what exactly was it? Like, look at that thing. Zoom in on that. Don't pull it down. No, nope. let it go. Good. Let it go. What? Frankly, what is that, Reed? Listen, listen. <laughs> I every. You know, How I, do you wear that in public and think that's good? Uh, you know, I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer. I, I try to. I try to get by on my boyish good looks, and hopefully, people don't stare at the shirts too much. But as we've uh, as we've come across on this show. What I wear is 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 very apparent because it's talked about every single day. So I guess I gotta put a little more uh, guidance into what I wear. You know, he's what wearing my, pants. I am wearing pants. That's Brand the new. first time he's worn pants since I started working here. Well, yeah, you started working in the summer. That's typically not the season you wear pants. Um, <laughs> you know, the thing is, is um, my my wife. The best thing about getting married is sometimes she she puts out an outfit for me like I'm five years old, and that's my. Honestly, my favorite part about getting married is is when she puts out an outfit like I'm five years old. She didn't do that today because I picked this out myself. Did not get the iron. I don't iron my clothes, as you can tell. And I'm not – I'm probably not going to in the future. So if the wrinkles bother you guys, they don't bother me. I'm the one wearing it. I'm the one wearing it, so it shouldn't bother you guys. I don't think that's how it works. You see, that's not how it works. Have you ever showed up in a big business meeting and just rolled in there with a the T-shirt and a tank on and been like, hey, man, <laughs> I know you guys are uncomfortable, <laughs> but I'm real comfortable. Are you – you, I know, I know that you're wearing that, but I'm wearing this, and that's your problem, not mine. You know, you probably it probably turns around at some point to be your problem, just to be a little bit fair to what you just tried to argue. Well, for for what it's worth, is I am I am so handsome, I'm so good looking that sometimes I gotta I gotta wear bad we clothes go. just to just to even it out for the rest of you guys, make it even for everyone. Right. You know, I gotta handle well, that myself. I got I gotta be honest. That uh, everyone in the office was gonna get something really fun, probably for a Christmas bonus or something along those lines. <laughs> and you know what, Reed Mouse is gonna end up getting like some kind of steam machine. It's that's that's where it's gonna end up for Reed. You know, it's like, oh, uh, Elliot, here you go. You got a you got a new car, Casey. You got you got yeah. you got. Yeah. You're going on a cruise, a ten day cruise around the world. Here you go, Reed. You get a steam wand. 
Hey, I'll take it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not picky. So if you want to give me a steam wand, sure. Everyone else can have something great. I'm, I'll, I'll live with my steam wand. And then maybe you guys will have a better work experience now that my, my shirt is iron. I'm sorry I detract from your work day. Yeah, no, that's I mean, okay. I, I'm, not a, I'm not a good dresser either, so I can't really comment on this. I come in here with like a hoodie or whatever I throw on on top. Uh, so I'm not going to make fun of Reed for that. I am very happy he's wearing pants. I'm very happy. Nobody is more happy about this than I. He has never worn pants one time. Well, this is the very first. Our best dress, Paul, he's no longer here. Well, Paul I mean, quit he, on his family. He, so. he always came in with a polo, yeah. nice watch, yeah. belt, nice pants, right. shorts. Yeah, well, he was halfway out the door. So Yeah, the only professional one I've always here. <laughs> Big League Paul. Yeah. R.I.P. What's he going to get for a Christmas bonus? Um, well, it's hard to get a Christmas bonus when you're not here, isn't it? Uh, well, you get a championship right. ring if you play a game. Time out. Kirby put in the chat. He's like, make Reed Iron live on air. Wouldn't that be a hilarious bit if we just start off the show like, hey, welcome to Off the Bench, and I'm just sitting over here on an iron. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> the way that shirt is, is, is looking, it's going to take you all show to do it. I mean, that, that is one of those ones where you're going to have to actually spray it down, get it wet before you even start on that thing. There's no chance you can get the wrinkles out of that without any kind of moisture. It is that bad. I Again, I'm, a, I'm not trying to spend all show talking about Reed's shirt and my shirt, but the truth is this. When I seen his shirt this morning, I thought to myself, how do you get it that wrinkled? I don't even know how that's even feasibly possible. The only chance you have is to throw it into a pile of clothes, mm -hmm. let it sit there for about two and a half weeks, pull it back out, and then throw it back in there for one more week, and then pull it back out, and I think that that's what the final result is. But that's, none the, that's, that's not why you tune into the show, is to listen to how Reed Mouse wears wrinkled shirts. Um... There are some things that I do want to discuss today. There are some funny little tidbits. When nobody plays baseball and or football games in the city, we are going to do some funny things. All right? Well, what we find funny. If you don't find them funny, we're sorry. Our humor doesn't align with yours, and that stinks for you. Um, <laughs> here's the deal. I didn't do the opening of this show. I do want to remind you that this is a show that starts every single day of the week besides Saturdays and Sundays. Most people call that Monday through Friday from 10... Hey. To 12. P. P. Good job, guys. Very nice. Good work. Uh, and as always, this is Off the Bench presented by United Dairy Farmers, and you could watch this show. And by watch, I mean listen. It's a bit. Keep up. Um, on podcast form. And by podcast form, you know what I mean. By this point, it's literally every single podcast in the world. I do give Tom credit, though. He has this very standard way of doing things, and, and he tells you every single time that you can watch this on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast and all of the major podcast platforms. That sounds much better than what I do, but I want to leave that bit for Tom. That way, you know, I can't become too polished up here because if I do, then I think it detracts from Tom. That's the excuse that I'm going to continue to make. Tom, I think, will be back at some point. Um, I'm not suggesting that it's soon, but I am suggesting that he is in, uh, he's in good spirits, and I think... Again, hopefully speaking for us, uh, and especially for my work life, that he's back as soon as possible. All right, Parker Blake. You might not know who Parker Blake is. Parker Blake is a, is a guy that is newly uh, a part of the Chatterbox team. He's going to cover Chatterbox Bengals. Uh, he's going to be on Chatterbox Bengals, I should say, and cover uh, the Bengals in general uh, for us here at Chatterbox. And I'm excited to have him on. I believe he's coming on at 1030. Is that correct? 1030. Yes. Yep. 1030. Uh, and then Tracy Jones. Um, I'm sure he's going to be all over me. I am waiting for it. At 11.30, Tracy Jones will probably come in here, and he will probably have a good amount of things to say to me. 
um, that aren't all that nice because I got to be honest, it finally took me today to realize that I did not text Tracy back. I texted him back this morning. To be fair to him, he did text me back. said he'll be on the show. We'll see where that goes. Who knows? With Tracy Jones, you just never know. All right. I say before we get into serious topics, and by serious topics, I mean why the Cincinnati Bengals uh, should at least consider consider getting Jonathan Taylor. Um, we have some funnies. And the funnies are this. There's a guy named Chiefaholic. If you don't know who Chiefaholic is, he is a guy that is uh, a crazy man for the Kansas City Chiefs football team. He traveled the country following their games, wore some, basically wore like a, a wolf's type outfit. I don't know what the, uh, is that the correct term, fellas? I don't want to, I don't want to yeah, misspeak yes, here, yes. but he wore basically a full wolf garb, right? So uh, very much a personality of a, a super fan, right? Well, it turns out this guy's been robbing banks. At least so, at least so says the, uh, the law, uh, the authority, that is. His, his lawyer, on the other hand, uh, I don't know if he decided that he was going to come out full force right off the get-go and try to make this full thing a hilarious bit and just said, you know what, I'm going to go down in internet history as being one of the funniest bits on the internet for, for defending my man. And if he did that, I give this lawyer all the credit in the world. But this guy, who is not Harry Potter, by the way, he might, you might think that he is, but he's not. Um, if this guy was actually being serious during this whole bit, then I don't know what to tell you. Go ahead, Casey. Let them see this beautiful rendition of defending Chiefaholic. This is not Chiefsaholic's last drive. And he believes, and we believe, that when the final whistle blows and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community, in the eyes of his fans, and in the eyes of the Chiefs' kingdom. This is not Chiefsaholic's last drive. And he believes, and we believe, that when the final whistle blows and all of the facts are known, that he is going to be redeemed in the eyes of his community in the eyes of his fans and in the eyes of the chief's kingdom this is not now that guy right there you might argue has to get back to disney or not disney universal <laughs> shout out no free ads he's probably got to get back to universal lickety split you know what i'm saying he took time off he took a little pto day flew out to kansas city stood in front of the courtroom and i'm pretty sure he just thought to himself you know what i'm gonna get these reporters you remember the guys that stood outside or not stood outside the guys that uh that walked out of the twitter headquarters when they were releasing everybody with huge boxes of stuff and of course the gullible media jumps on it and they run over to these guys did you see that if you've not seen that, I want you to I I need you to find that clip. You got to find that clip. That's an Internet Hall of Fame clip. Casey, I don't know what else. Obviously, you got a lot going on over there. I don't mean to throw more on your plate. Didn't hire a replacement for you. Casey's thinking what? to himself, "Oh man, I'm doing two jobs for one. I should get paid more." I know what he does when he goes home, but that's probably here nor there. Casey, if you could possibly do me a favor and look up the Twitter headquarters fake interview. I'm sure it'll come up. But anyways, that's what this reminds me of. This reminds me of a guy that possibly went to, to Kansas City, decided he was going to stand in the front of the courthouse right when this whole Chiefaholics thing was going on, and he decided, you know what, I'm going to act like I'm this guy's attorney, and yeah, I'm going to make no I'm going <laughs> to make an Internet Hall of Fame video. Is that is that real? I think 
I don't know. Has it been confirmed that it's real? Are we getting spoofed? Is this a joke? Do you know, Elliot? You seem I, to be a man on the job. I don't know if it's real, but I, I mean, hiring that guy to only speak in football metaphors or sports metaphors was perhaps the greatest, the greatest bit of all time. I mean, this guy, Chief Zaholic, he's certainly not coming out of prison anytime soon. He's robbed multiple banks, multiple. If you're robbing multiple banks, you don't stand a good chance at it, uh, at parole or, you know, leaving prison. So this might've just been an actor. I mean, there's a serious chance he just, he just used a paid actor and he's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hire this guy and he's going to act like my lawyer. He's going to be really good about it. He's going to, he's going to make it seem convincing, but it's also going to be funny. So maybe Chiefs, Chief Sahal is that committed to the bit. Not, not to get on Chief Sahalik's criminal career, but what is he doing robbing banks anyways? Like, do they even <laughs> still have cash? Do they like? I'm 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 genuinely curious. Do banks still carry cash? Because well, it feels like everything is digital. Like a hundred years ago, yeah, you got to go to the bank. That's where that's where they're that's where they're holding all the money. It's where they're holding all the gold and all this stuff. Nowadays, it's like it's all done on computers, right? NFL tickets are expensive, Reed. I don't know if you've <laughs> ever seen it. <laughs> they are. It's not cheap to be going to Chiefs games, especially when they go to the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl time after time. This man is committed to the job. He's a he's a chiefsaholic, and you know sometimes when you're not making enough money in life, you gotta find you gotta find a way to get there. And his way was unfortunately for him robbing banks. All right, if you've also tuned in the show today, and I know I know Ronnie is gonna be screaming soon. Talk sports, sports, sports. I promise we're gonna get there. But bear with me. I'm just trying to make you laugh. Enjoy your day a little bit. Get you started on the right track. If you've not seen this, this is an internet hall of famer as well. Okay, uh, let me paint the picture for you. Again, Twitter. Twitter just announced that they were laying off like 80% of their workforce. Shout out Elon. Shout out Elon. Um, I don't know why that's a thing, but nonetheless, we're, we're in a position at their headquarters. We're in a position at their headquarters to where these guys that are pranksters decided they were going to go grab a bunch of, uh, they, they were going to carry cardboard boxes and walk out of there like they had just gotten fired. I just want to let you know, these guys did not get fired, which makes this whole thing even funnier when you watch it. Go ahead, Casey. Uh, which team were you in? I was on engineering. Do you know how many? I don't, I don't know. I know no. my... Nobody knows anything. How did they tell you? My, my director was... Uh, I'm really sorry, by the way. I realized. I went on in Tesla, man. Right. Yeah, me too. Was it your entire team or just individuals? So... Uh, so some some people are in the Zoom meeting, and then and then in the Zoom meeting, uh, you can see the other people that are in there. Um, who who who? Okay, and it makes me worry about the future of democracy. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you know, it makes me worry uh, about the future of celebrity conservatorships. Like, uh, would I mean, Britney sorry, happen? Man. Michelle Obama wouldn't have happened. And Elon Musk Twitter. I don't Elon know. Musk right? This used to be a Twitter. town square. Yeah. All right. Listen, I know the chat's obviously pissed right now. Oh, this is a year old. Listen, there's people that don't know these things. There's people that don't know these things. If you don't know them, I'm sorry. But that's what it reminded me of when I seen this guy standing out front of a courthouse. Is like, this has to be a bit. All right. In other news, Jonathan Taylor was, uh, was basically, has been, what was the term the Colts used? He's been allowed to request a trade. And I think some of this is where 
and you see this in business, you see this obviously, certainly with employees, sometimes that people think that they're worth more than they really are. And you try to tell them that in a nice way as possible. And then at some point, you're just like, fine, go find out for yourself. I think that's what the Colts have decided to do with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor is a guy that probably thinks that he's worth more than what he really is, especially if you go off of the Reed Mouse measurement of what a running back means to a team. Correct. And that's what the Colts have decided to do. They've decided, you know what, Jonathan, you think you're so important. We'll put you out on the trade market. We'll see who comes calling. We'll see what they offer. We'll let you know what they offer. And when they don't offer hardly anything at all, maybe you'll realize that it's that it's, uh, it's a position that's just not valued that much anymore. That being said, Jonathan Taylor does have some value that I wonder if a team in which, like the Cincinnati Bengals, like it or not, if you could get away where you give up some late-round late draft capital, is it not at least worth entertaining? You guys, and I say you guys as in Reed, obviously is completely on the no side. Casey's laughing at me. I just want to hear from around the room uh, a, a, a fan base or a, a, a group of fans here that are rooting for a franchise that has not won a Super Bowl. They are on the cusp of winning the Super Bowl. As to why you don't want to go get a guy that could be argued as one of the best running backs in the league. It goes back to what I've, what I've always said is that I've literally never looked at a, an NFL franchise. I've never looked at a team and said, ah, they're one running back away from winning the big one. Do I think that the Bengals maybe are slightly better with Jonathan Taylor as opposed to Joe Mixon? Sure, absolutely. Is Joe Mick is Jonathan Taylor worth giving up a first, second, hell, even third round pick? No, no. When you've already got a running back room that you believe in, you've got a proven veteran, you've got some exciting rookies and some exciting young guys that that haven't had a whole lot of miles on on the tread. So, I, I don't know what we're talking about. It is objectively funny, though, that the Colts won't pay Jonathan Taylor top-tier running back money and then also say that they want a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor. That is objectively funny, Sydney Mix, Mix, Mix signals. Yeah, I don't – I mean, to no offense, Trace, but you're, I don't, people aren't going to go out of their way to give – a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor. I'm going to do for, the, like, pretty much any running back. It's just, like, the position doesn't really matter that much. And it's, I say this with love and respect. Trace gets real all out of shape when you say the running backs don't matter. But it's true. It's Nobody's going to want to give up anything. I certainly don't want to give up any of my players' picks, anything, for Jonathan Taylor. When we have Joe Mixon, who's, to be quite honest, not that far behind him. I What, do you, what is he, seven spots back behind him, ten spots back? Joe Mixon's a top 15 running back in the National Football League. I don't, I don't know what the big difference would be if acquiring Jonathan Taylor in a pass-heavy offense. Could be wrong. Could be wrong. Could you t if, if, I'll tell you what. If we could give them absolutely nothing, then I'd take him. When was, when was the last time that a move for a, a top-tier running back, like you know either trading or signing a guy to a big contract, has worked out? Christian well, McCaffrey. I would say Christian McCaffrey worked out pretty damn good for the 49ers. And the only thing, the only reason as to why they, they obviously didn't have a chance to move on and go win a Super Bowl is largely because their quarterback got hurt. And Correct. then their quarterback got hurt. Correct. And then their quarterback got hurt. Yeah, but the, like if you don't have a quarterback, your team's irrelevant. Okay, like, well, what are we fact. talking that's about? If you don't have a running back, it doesn't matter. That's, that's fine. Well, just because you're going to try to be an engineer and, and, and everybody knows you need to take Calculus 1 before you take Calculus 2, I'm not arguing that Calculus 2 is more important than Calculus 1. What I'm trying to say is, is that Calculus 2 is still important. Like, 
Running back position. Do we think that the 49ers... It's still important. If you want to try to convince me that it's not important, that's that's fine. It's, keep keep screaming at the wall. It's objectively important. It's, There's, it is yes, important. You're, you're getting the wrong part of the argument. No. What I'm suggesting is is that there are, there, are, there are levels to this. There are levels to the NFL to where, yeah, your team is only so good until you get a certain player, and then your team elevates just that little bit more. And to be honest with you, the Bengals have been right there. They're one or two plays away two years in a row to arguably win in the Super Bowl. And I would argue that going out and making that one little small extra move might be the difference. It could be the difference. And you only have a window of opportunity for so long. That's the other thing. Let's get into this really fast. When we have uh, Parker Blake coming on here at 1030. Is this. I'm so tired of hearing about it. And I'm not trying to suggest that the Bengals won't be relevant and good while Joe Burrow is the quarterback. But to sit here and say, oh, well, the window is Joe Burrow. Okay. Let's backtrack a little bit here. I'm not suggesting that for one second that the Bengals aren't going to be great this year. I'm not suggesting for one second that the Bengals franchise isn't in a really, really good spot. But I'm not going to sit here and listen to the fact that, that, that somehow, since you got Joe Burrow, that you're automatically going to be in Super Bowl contentions every single year. It's just not the case. It's not going to be the case. Yes, the Patriots did something one time in NFL history that makes you think otherwise. But outside the Patriots, and you can argue maybe the Chiefs have somewhat done that, but again, the Chiefs are in a position where I would argue that they've gone out and made moves and they've tried to make sure that they've had the elite level talent around them at certain positions, and you're going to say, well, what about the running back position? I get it. I understand the concept of, of devaluing that, and you could sit here and tell me that Joe Mixon, you could say that Joe Mixon is a top 15 running back. My, my counter argument is going to be, where's the depth at that position? Why can't you have Jonathan Taylor and Joe Mixon? Why can't you have that? Because why would you why would, why you, would you, you pay that? two guys like right. $10 Why are you worried about paying guys? Are you over the salary cap? No, no, but there's just more important positions that need to be paid. Right. There's an offensive line, there's a defensive line, there's cornerbacks, there's receiver. safeties, there's other there's, there's a, the t every other the, there's a wide receiver room that needs to be fixed right now. We got we have T Higgins, you have to pay him at some point. Right? So you're convincing me that you're convincing me that guys like Tyler Boyd's of the world they're, they're so much better than the, th the third, fourth, and fifth receivers you can go out and find throughout the years. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers didn't draft a first-round first wide receiver for how many years? And supposedly that was the right thing to do. I don't believe that, but that's what supposedly people in Green Bay argued for years. We don't need wide receivers. Why? Because we got Aaron Rodgers. Oh, really? Oh, really? We don't need a running back because we got Joe Mixon. Oh, really? You don't want to go get Jonathan Taylor if somehow you can – Figure out a way to trade future picks in future years when you have a chance to win the Super Bowl right now, right in front of you. You can sit here and make fun of me and act like it's not a big deal. But when, when, and again, I'm not wishing this upon anybody, but if Joe Mixon goes down, what do you got? How old is Joe Mixon? You think he's going to play 16, 17 games in the NFL and be fresh and ready to go throughout the entire postseason? Listen, but it's, but it, the, the running, what, what are we talking? Yeah, we'll be fine. If Joe Mixon goes down, the Bengals will be fine. And the reason I know that is that every dynasty, every team that has had prominent success and won Super Bowls in this league has done it without a prominent running back. You look at the Patriots, and I know you, you said You say prominent. What about, what, what, what about, okay, change the word from prominent to productive. Now answer the question. 
Well, that's the point of the argument is that guys you get off the scrap heat are productive if you have a good line and you have a quarterback that they got to defend for. If you've got weapons on the perimeter that you got to defend for, it opens up a lot of holes in the box. That's the whole point of the argument. The Patriots, and you can say they're an anomaly, they just got guys off the scrap heap for two two decades and it worked. The, pa- the, the Chiefs are doing that right now. They're drafting guys in the seventh round and it's working. It's, it's, it's not... We're not doing this. We're not shooting darts in in the dark here. We're not saying like we think this might work. We think we've got a got a system that works. We're saying this does work. This does work. And it makes mix, mixing went down. One hundred percent would not work because he's not going to get traded to a team that's not going to sign him right away. And Nick, the Bengals are not going to sign him right away. They would use him as a rental, but Nick, that's that's just not going to play out the way that we want it. So. Mixon Mixon went down last season. And Pirine and Pirine was arguably better in, in his absence. And that's my point. What do you mean that's you don't have Pirine anymore? I was banging yeah. the table all last year saying that Pirine has been a better running back, looks like the better running back, and he's the best running back in the room. And finally he gets the ball. What happens? There's a change. You can laugh all you want about P. Ryan, but he's a better running back, in my opinion, than the two guys you got now. We're laughing because every running back that the Bengals have had for the past 15 years has been good. And that proves to you that the running back position, you can get guys from wherever. And it's probably going to work out. If you've got a line, it's probably going to work out. Throw out any, and I know you can't name them because you're not a Bengals fan. Throw out any (laughs) Bengals running back for the past 15 years, probably a pretty productive running back. Probably a pretty productive running back. Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, Bernard Scott. These aren't like household. Like Ben Jarvis Green Ellis was, was a household Giov- name. Giovanni but. Bernard, Jeremy Hill, Cedric Benson, Rudy Johnson, Corey Dillon, Joe Mixon. It's because you can draft them literally whenever. What I find hilarious about all of this is that you automatically devalue the position at running back, but then you want to sit here and you, you want to act like the backup secondary defensive back is more valuable or just as important as the running back. And it's just not. It's just not. When you and, and you could sit here and say the depth at that position is is important and all those types of things. But again, I hearken back to guys that 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 I would say, what if you take what if you take those great running backs away that you're talking about? How bad are the Bengals then? And yes, the quarterback is the prerequisite to all this. If, if you don't have a if you don't have a quarterback in the NFL, we all know this. If you watch the NFL for for even one year, hell, you could have your wife that's never watched football in the world. She could watch the NFL for one year, and if you don't have a quarterback, she's probably going to be like, "Well, if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win." Of course, I know that. That's like the prerequisite to even getting. That's the high school diploma to get into college. But once you get into college, I think the running back then at that point matters a little bit. It's gotten. It's almost like we've we, we've done the same thing we've done in our country over over other subjects to where we've gotten so far on one side that we've then overcorrected and now we've gone so far the other way. Now it's like well, running backs don't matter at all. You can pick up a seventh rounder. He's just as good as Jonathan Taylor. That is bonkers to me. It's crazy talk. It's crazy talk. But the issue is it's, it's a passing league. Who's protecting your quarterback? The offensive line. Who's the quarterback throwing to? The wide receivers. The only one that doesn't have a place is the running back because he, he doesn't affect the quarterback's play at all. L- listen, Not at all. The final, the final analogy I'll give before we get into our interview with Parker Blake, and maybe it's a terrible analogy. I haven't thought it out too, too thoroughly, so I might just bury myself right here. But what is one of the most used appliances or, or used technology that you have in your house? It's a television, right? It's my phone. It's a, it's, it's a television. All right, fine. Television. All right. Let's do you this. Can, you, can, you can buy a $2,000 television. 
You can do that right now, and it'll be great. It'll look great, and you can tell that it's better than the $450 television. But the $450, the $500 television that is an off-brand, a low-brand, probably something that you got at Costco brand, still does a damn good job. And that's the point. You could probably right. spend that other $1,500 on something better in your house. I'll tell you what we'll do today. I'll tell you where we'll go to lunch. We'll go to lunch at Gina's the day to settle the debate. We'll see how good televisions matter and whether we think they're important. All right. <laughs> that said, um, if you know that joke, you get it. If you don't know it, I'm sorry. But Parker Blake is in the chat. He is in the room. He is a part of Chatterbox. Bengals now. Parker, thank you for joining the show, first and foremost. I'm sure you caught the tail end of us sitting here bickering, yelling back and forth about running backs' importance. We won't start with that because you're more important. You have more important things to talk about because Reed obviously means that the running back position means nothing. But your, your expertise, if you will, Parker, I have, I have a couple quick questions here, is the offensive line. Is that correct? Uh, I'd like to say that, yes. All right. So offensive line is obviously your, your, your strong point. We'll get into that in just a minute. But more importantly, you're from Utah. I do want to ask the question. You're from Utah and you're a Bengals fan. Can you walk me through how in the world that even came to be and what the story is behind that? Yeah, no. So I was born in Lexington out in Kentucky, obviously. And, you know, I grew up, I had Reds gear, I had Bengals gear. And then we just moved back out here when I was a young kid. And I, I'm, a, I'm a loyal fan, as us, all, all of us Cincinnati folks are. We're loyal fans. And so I just stuck with it, you know. That great run they had there in the, you know, 2000s. If you couldn't catch the sarcasm, then that's on you. But, you know, I, I'm here now, and I'm grateful that I'm here. And then my wife, you know, she's been a Bengals fan for, like, two years now. And, you know, I make fun of her all the time for that she just came on as a bandwagon. So. Well, you know, sometimes it's uh, – timing is everything, Parker. Timing is everything. So if you've just started finding the Bengals and being a fan of, of late, that seems like pretty good timing in my opinion. All right, the offensive line, something that people want to uh, always say, hey, you need depth, you need depth, you need depth. Uh, the, the Bengals have been kind of bit by the injury bug the last few years, if you will, by – the uh, the offensive line having injuries. Your your overall, I guess, general assess assessment on the offensive line, and then of course the Jackson Carmen debate. Uh, we'll we'll let you answer that on the back end of what, where you think he stands and what his future is as a Cincinnati Bengal. No, for sure. Uh, I mean, I think we all feel pretty confident in the in the first five that we have. You know, Brown, Bolson, Teddy, Kappa. I mean, and then even Jonah. I know there's been a lot of talk about Jonah Williams, but I've been. From what we've seen, what we saw last week, and what we've seen through clips of camp, or if you've been at camp, I think he looks just fine out there. And then I think depth-wise, this is one of the better positions they've been in. I think they have a guy in Deontay Smith that can be a very serviceable swing tackle. I think he's got potential to even battle for that right tackle spot next year. Um, and then, you know, we have we have a guy in Mag Sharping that's really putting a lot of work this year to be a fourth interior line guy and battle Trey Hill for that backup center role. So, I mean, I think overall, we're looking pretty good. The game day, they usually bring eight anyway. The five starters are three guys on the bench, and that's seven guys right there that I think I feel very confident in moving forward with. And then, you know, that third guy, you know, just comes down to what the Bengals won, and then the ninth guy. And then I think, we, you know, there's kind of a consensus that, you know, as you're constructing your 53-man roster that we're going to keep Lyle Collins, you know, bring him back on the, from the pup as that tenth guy. So I think they're pretty set, and I think they have a really good group. You know, I think – I mean, personally, I'm really excited. I've seen a lot of good things in preseason from these depth guys. I have a lot – I have really high hopes for what this group looks like in the regular season. And just overall, I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. Um, as far as Jackson Carmen goes, I think we all kind of know what we're going to get out of him. I'm glad that the Jonah Williams versus Jackson Carmen debate is over because that was ridiculous to start with. 
Um, I mean, you got a seasoned veteran from in the NFL and then a guy that, you know, was a healthy scratch for a majority of last year. So I think that conversation settled personally. I hope we can get like a Billy Price type deal done, get Carmen out of here, bring in a guy, you know, like Jonathan Taylor to make Reed happy. And then we'll be we'll be set. We'll go win four Super Bowls and I'll be happy. Where, where is your take on that? Obviously, I, I, I go a little overboard on the running back situation because I have guys in the office that obviously devalue it completely, and so I feel like I have to go too far maybe on my end one way to try to prove my point. However, your overall assessment and opinion about the running back position that you currently have, and then I guess what would you say to the people that says the Bengals are right there on the edge? And, 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 and depth's never a bad thing. If you can find a deal to go get a guy that's been proven as one of the best running backs in the league and Jonathan Taylor, maybe you should do it. I don't know where you're at on that, uh, on that thought process, but uh, your, your overall thoughts on, I kind of guess, that topic of conversation. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I think being an O-line guy inherently, like you're going to devalue the running back because you're, I mean, you look at what Dallas did, I mean, if you have a good enough O-line, it doesn't really matter who you have in the backfield. And I think that goes for pretty much any position. If you have a great quarterback like a Tom Brady, it doesn't really matter who you have a wide receiver because they'll make it work. Um, but I do think there's a place in the world for these high-paid running backs, these high-value running backs. But, you know, I unless you're getting rid of Mixon and bringing in Taylor, who, again, we talk, you guys talked about he wants an extension. He's going to want to go to a team. That's not just going to be a one-year rental deal, which I think, I mean, he'd be great as a one-year rental if they could get him for a little cheaper. Um, but if you're going to bring in a guy like that, you're going to have to extend him. You're going to have to clear out the room. You know, put you still you can keep Chase Brown. You can keep Travion. You can keep Evans if you want to keep Evans. But I, I think you can't. I think it's too crowded right now to risk getting rid of somebody just to have JT and makes it in the backfield. And I don't know. That's just kind of where I sit on that topic, I guess, where – the old line looks good, and whoever we have in the backfield is going to look pretty solid just because they're going to make some, they're going to open up some lanes. This run game is going to be solid. Schematically, they've changed to make it work a little better. But overall, I think, you know, who the guy they have there is just fine for now. We'll obviously figure out that situation when it comes. Hopefully, they can get a guy in the draft, and we don't have to go pay some, someone like we've been doing on the O line. Okay, that's fair. Um, I, I Again, I hearken back to uh, a question that I was thinking before the show. I wonder if, if, if I have a little bit of pull around here, not enough as much as I'd like to, to say that I have. Do you feel like you're the third wheel on Chatterbox Bengals at all? Do we got to nudge those guys, get you on, on the screen a little bit more? When are you making your appearance on Chatterbox Bengals with uh, just Eric and Game On? Yeah, no, I, so I coach high school football, so I'm, these Friday games – I have to watch them late. I'm not able to be a part of the Chatterbox crew. However, I'm really excited to hop on this week. You know, let everyone know that the ill line is the most important position and, you know, the most exciting position to watch, even though, you know, one of those is definitely a lie. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I feel like the third wheel. However, right now, I do feel like the little redheaded stepchild. You know, they, they went out and had a great show, and I'm just sitting here waiting, biding my time, waiting for everyone to show me the love that those two great guys get because they have awesome personalities, and I'm like a two-by-four. So hopefully I'm not bringing up the rear, but I don't think I'm ever going to, you know, Game On's got a lot of energy. I think he's going to be that energy guy. I don't think I can bring what he can bring. He's got the juice, man. Yeah, he's, Game On certainly gets excited. Uh, the, the final question that I have for you before we go here, and I turn it over to Casey perhaps and or Elliot and Reed to ask you the final parting questions as Bengal fans. I do want to say to you, you probably may or may not know this, I am a Packer fan, so my, my fandom for the Bengals, my knowledge for the Bengals is not nowhere near as it would be for the Cincinnati Reds. But that being said, in your opinion, Collinsworth just said yesterday, I believe, on the Dan Patrick show, 
that he believes that this is the year the Cincinnati Bengals finally get over the hump. In your opinion, not to have you be negative or pessimistic, but if you do believe that, what do you think that the ultimate reason as to why they wouldn't be the Super Bowl champions if you do think that they will win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I really think it just comes down to if they can make this new scheme work. I mean, we're gonna, we're putting Frank Pollock as the run game coordinator in a weird spot because, you know, he's traditionally been a wide zone guy. We're making him convert to the gap scheme, but they have, you know, gone through a full personnel change up front. I think they're pretty deep on the D line. But if we're talking about what, you know, would inhibit them from getting, you know, even to the AFC championship or through the AFC championship, it's going to be, it's going to be defensive because I feel like this offense has really come together. They have a lot of great weapons. They're going to give Joe Burrow, who's got one of the quickest time to throw in the league, a lot of time to start dissecting defenses. This offense is going to be good. But if this defense can't figure it out, I know they've retained their linebackers. I know they – I mean, I've talked a lot the last couple of weeks about how their second-string D-line could be a starting D-line for a lot of teams in the league. But if this back end can't figure, out, figure it out, and I know Lou Anarumo likes to have them kind of control the defense, make sure everyone's in the right spot, make adjustments – you know, all of that good stuff. If they can't figure it out on the back end, and honestly, the thing that's inhibited this team previously, if they can't stay healthy, because the big thing that I think a lot of people need to talk more about is the best way to get to the Super Bowl, to get to the final dance, is health and luck. And the Bengals were one of the unluckiest teams, especially Joe Burrow last year. He just, you know, was, wasn't getting the ball bouncing his way. And then we had all those health issues coming down the stretch. We lost Chidobe Awuzie early. Like, it was just – there's all these other pieces that go into it that the Bengals just haven't seemed to, you know, survive, honestly. And if they aren't able to stay healthy this year, which I know obviously you can't really control that much, but if they can stay healthy, I think that's number one. And number two, even if they do stay healthy, if we're getting burned on the back end of the defense, you know, every game or we're just really getting in shootouts every week, that's not a sustainable model for success. So they have to stay healthy. They have to, you know, at least get back to average on the luck scale because I guess that's an actual stat now. And then overall, if just everything just keeps clicking, keeps moving, and there's not really a lot of frustration, whether it's play calling or, you know, game planning or scheme or all those other words that, you know, football guys like to use. If, that, if all of that comes together, and that's, again, that's a lot. It's a lot of different variables. But if all of that comes together, they're going to make it. But it's very hard to get all of those things to line up every single year. And they just haven't seemed to, you know, have that ever happen for them. Fair enough. Um, Casey McAllister, obviously a, a very knowledgeable Bengal fan, has a question for you that, uh, that uh, he wants to ask. Yeah, I actually got two for you. Um, first question is, so what do you think they're going to do with Lyle Collins? Because he's just kind of sitting back there right now. Um, taking up some cap space, and it seems like they got the right tackle figured out. What do you think is going to happen there? Yeah, what, what we need to remember is there's his contract is heavily incentivized around game checks, right? So if he's not on the active roster, because coming in, he had a bunch of health issues. So if he's not on the active game day roster, we're actually saving money from his, you know, overall contract. I know his base is around four and a half to five, and, you know, that's not really significant in the grand scheme of things or pieces of the pie, you know, as everyone's been talking about ever since Back Together Day. Um, but I think what they what they should do, and I don't know, I obviously don't know what they're planning to do, but if we can get him on the pup for a few weeks, let him get fully healthy. I know everyone wants to say, oh, well, when he comes back and he's fully healthy, let's just put him in for Jonah. But I think, you know, there's a chemistry aspect to that that people don't think about. But if Collins can take this full year, right, this full season and just kind of rest, 
maybe be in those jumbo sets, maybe just kind of be a veteran presence in the locker room and just get back to a hundred, like a true hundred percent, not the hundred percent that we saw last year, but a true hundred percent healthy rehabbing from the knee, the hip, the back, like every old guy has to, once they get to a certain age, if we can get him a hundred percent healthy, I think we're going to have a very solid right tackle again next year when, you know, inevitably Jonah Williams isn't back with the team. Gotcha. Gotcha. And the scheme, the scheme that they're planning on running, uh, it's a power scheme, right? There, it's like a lot of counters, a lot of pooling. Yep. Um, do you think that's really gonna make a difference for Joe Mixon? I mean, like scheme-wise, it seemed like he did better in power and in years past. So, is it safe to assume that he's gonna do better this year? Yeah, I, mean, I think the the benefit they're going to have, and I don't, again, it's, it's the whole conversation of what's more important, the running back or the O-line or the scheme, you know, but they've gone through a full personnel overhaul in the last couple of years. They, I mean, they went from having these smaller guys, more athletic guys to run that zone scheme to getting these big maulers, you know, like Kappa, like Bolson, like Brown, who can just get in there and kind of bully guys, get those, I always call them free yards, and we're just driving the D-line off the line of scrimmage to get the running back, you know, yards before contact, right? And that's where I think the power game with the personnel, the gap scheme, with the new personnel they have is going to be a lot more effective just overall for the run game. I don't know if it necessarily makes Joe Mixon better, but it definitely is probably going to make him look better statistically um, just because I think he's going to be – I would be surprised if his yards before contact number isn't impressive this season, if that makes any sense. I think that's the benefit that they get out of the gap scheme. Yeah, and my last question, I I said I only had two, I got three. Last year, last year, the offensive line did not play in the preseason. Now, I was a guy that said that didn't matter, that they shouldn't have played. Um, the people that said they should have kind of looked like they were right. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you think they should be maybe taking a drive the last game of this preseason? Well, what, what we have to remember from you know the slow start they had last year is don't just look at it as, oh, Joe Burrow's getting pressure, Joe Burrow's getting sacked, it, it, you know, whatever stat you want to pull. But you have to also remember, and I, I put this out on Twitter, you know, at the time, it's X now, but I put this out on Twitter last season when I was first, you know, getting going with all my O-line talk on on that platform. And it you can't talk bad about Joe Burrow. I learned that very quickly. But if you look through those first couple of weeks, I wouldn't even blame the whole the O-line as a whole. It's more, I mean, Joe Burrow was coming off of a major surgery. He was coming into his, a season, you know, honestly a little late. He did lose that offseason, unlike this year, how he, you know, didn't actually lose the offseason, even though he's not at camp. He might not be at practice. He's still working. He's still getting his work in. He's, he hasn't lost all that weight. He's still he's the still same Jack Joe Burrow that we all saw beginning of camp. And I think last year he just felt uncomfortable. He was in the pocket. He was holding the ball for a long time. When he wasn't holding the ball, he was throwing it to the guys in black and yellow week one. I mean, that was a bad game from him, and I think it was just kind of getting back into that football group because he hadn't played football. Whereas this year, he's going to come in a lot better. And I don't think – I mean, I think people undervalue, A, the amount of reps this team is getting together during camp, during the preseason, whether or not they're playing in games. I know there's a whole conversation about getting live reps, live bullets, you know, whatever you want to call it. But you also have to remember this Bengals defense is like is pretty legit. And so they're getting very high quality reps just in practice against their own guys. This isn't like some of these other teams going into practice and they're playing scrubs on scrubs, or maybe you have a high quality offense and a 
very average to you know below average defense that you're working against. So you need those live reps against better quality talent. The Bengals are playing a top five defense in practice every day. And that's, I think, more than plenty for them to come in and feel ready to go week one. Hey, Parker. Yeah, I, I just I had a question. <laughs> so I, I'm going to take these off real quick. Uh, so last year, one of the big storylines is the Bengals not being able to get a, the home field advantage in the playoffs, not getting the one seed, not having really the chance for it. Um, how many wins would you project the Bengals would need to get this season to get that seed? Because you look at the AFC, the AFC is tough right now. It's, it's incredibly tough. It's incredibly competitive in pretty much every division except for the AFC South. You go to the NFC, there's not a lot of talent anywhere, especially the NFC North. It's just a terrible, it's just a terrible division over there. It's just 49ers, Eagles. How many wins would you project right now the Bengals get? And how many would you project need, would be needed to get the one seed? Yeah, I think that conversation gets really tough because, I mean, you have the AFC East. They have some decent competition over there, and that's, I think, similar to the AFC North, which obviously the AFC North is the best, the best division in football. Um, I don't even know who even plays in the NFC North. I think there's a there's, there's a, some green team up there. I've never, I've never heard of them. <laughs> um, but I do think with the Chiefs being in a division that's a little softer, they're going to – I mean, it's what we talked about down the backstretch of last season where they had to win some games that were very unlikely for – them to yeah they had to lose some games for the to in the Bengals favor last at the end of last season against some teams that you know weren't really highly competitive and even towards the end of the season you know you start to lose kind of that mojo and so I it's, it's hard because the Bengals need at least I feel like 11 or 12 to even win the division and so when you're talking about that one seed it's almost turning into college football where if you have you know one to three losses you're in a situation where you're probably not getting that one seed just because some of the schedules these other teams have. So, I mean, you got to put it up around 15-ish just to be in contention for that one seed. And that's where it gets a little it gets a little rough down the stretch because I think the number is around 15. Really? I have one more question. I see in the background there, there's some sort of uh, animal, uh, animal cage of some sort, animal box. What is it? Is that a snake? Yeah. Yeah, no. So it's uh, it's my it's my it's my wife's gecko. Uh, okay. This is Milo. He's my he's my play by play assistant over here. You know, he's got a <laughs> lot of great takes back there. He's asleep right now. Or I'd pull him out and you know let him talk to the people. But uh, does the gecko, gecko give just a leopard gecko? Does the gecko give gambling picks? Yes, I'm and in... they're awful. Don't look at them. Okay, all right. Then I won't. Okay, I won't. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Uh, my bank account definitely does not agree with a lot of the picks that he makes, so that's why okay. he's just a play-by-play guy. We'll leave the gambling to my small brain. <laughs> Fair enough, Parker. Thank you for coming on the show. I do want to remind you and let you know, though, before you get off here, um, that uh, you said that Tom Brady you know, probably doesn't need receivers. He did get one receiver, though, in 2007 when they won like uh, every game but one. I know you're going to say maybe they didn't win the Super Bowl, so blah, 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 blah. But he did have a guy... Uh, named Randy Moss, uh, and he threw the most – it just so coincidentally, he threw the most touchdowns that he's ever thrown in his entire career the year that he had Randy Moss, but that's here nor there. Um, sometimes, I guess, maybe just having really good players around you helps everybody else out. I don't know. Jonathan Taylor, I don't know. Maybe you should consider it. I want you to sleep on it, Parker. Let me know what your thoughts on uh, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> Will do. Will do. Uh, all right. Thank you, Parker. Uh, Parker, for those that don't know, you can find him, Parker Blake, on Twitter. <laughs> And more importantly, he's going to be uh, also on Chatterbox Bengals with Game On and Just Eric. They did a really good – I'm not just saying this because it's our stuff. They did a really nice job for their first show. 
when you're when you're behind this microphone, you're 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 staring at the camera. You know that you're live on air to, for basically anybody to say anything about you. Um, it takes a little bit to get comfortable. I thought Game On and just Eric did a really really nice job. I expect by week like five or six that they'll be in their element. They'll be having fun. They'll they'll be doing uh, an elite show. Not that they're not already doing a great job, but like with anything else, you get better and better as time goes on. And uh, uh, Avin Parker. Along with that crew, I think that'll be good. Another show I want you to know about, and, I, and I'm and i telling you, this. Um, I don't want to overhype this, because I think sometimes when you overhype things, people might be disappointed, but I think that I could overhype this and you'd still be very, very, very impressed, is Kyle Kasky. He's going to be Chatterbox Clicker. Every Tuesday, he's going to break down film. And uh, let me tell you something. When he sent me a text yesterday on his, uh, he said, hey, I'm good to go. Here's some show notes. These are things. This is what I'm planning on doing obviously well more organized than I would ever be. This guy, you want to talk about being prepared, mm-hmm. uh, very prepared. Uh, for those that don't know, Kyle Kasky coached in the NFL. And for Reed's take, he basically didn't coach in the NFL because he was the running backs coach. But outside of that, Reed, Whoa. he did coach in the NFL. He was, a, he was in the running backs group for quite some time. Very knowledgeable about the game of football. Will be great for Chatterbox Clicker. That airs tonight. Am I am I off on that? If that aired tonight, 9 p.m. Yep, 9 p.m. Casey's going to be producing it. Kyle's going to be great. He coached for 13 years in the NFL with, coincidentally enough, he coached for three different NFL franchises, the Bengals for the longest tenure, I think 13 years with the Bengals, and then yep. a couple years with uh, the Jaguars and the Lions. So he just got all the big cats out of the way. But he uh, he's, he's incredible knowledgeable. We we had a couple pre-shows, and it's gonna be you guys really do want to tune in. If you like football, if you if you like the Bengals, and, and you like breaking down film, or even if you haven't done that before and you're, you're a little curious, please please tune in. It'll give you a greater appreciation for the game of football and really the the team, and, and give you a little more insight and make you a more knowledgeable fan. What's funny, Trace? You made that Randy Moss comment. Yes. He played four years for the for the Patriots. It just so happened to be the only four year stretch in which Tom Brady didn't win a Super Bowl. Mm. 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 Must be. And also, he wasn't a running back, so <laughs> it's, mm. it's almost like it doesn't matter. Mister Mo uh, with the super chat asks who the running back was. Unfortunately, I'm not the fastest with this. I'll find out who the running back was. I'm sure it's a, it's a name that you're going to know. In fact, I want to say uh, off the top of my head, was it not like a um, was it not Ben Jarvis? Uh, for who? For, who for the Patriots, for the, pa- the Patriots job seven, the running back. That year? Falk, like a, is there a, is there a... I, I'm almost, wasn't it, was it not I mean, you guys have computers like in front of you. We'll get it, we'll get it. You, we'll you get guys, it. you guys can figure that out. Could have been Corey Dillon, right? Corey, Corey Dillon would have been right around no, that time. No, Would have been no. right around that time. It was not Corey Dillon, guys. It was 2007, right? Yes. They played in the Super Bowl. They, that's what's funny, is like, oh, they didn't, they didn't win the Super Bowl. Okay, they won every single game besides one. It was Falk. Kevin Falk. Kevin Falk. There you go. I remember Kevin Falk. Who was a 31-year-old running back on his? Yep. Drafted in the what? All right. <laughs> we've beat that. We've beat this topic uh, about as dead as one can get. We'll see where it all goes. We'll see where it all goes. I guess. I guess we'll uh, we'll find out. I I was told that Bijan Robinson was a terrible pick in the first round. I was also told that uh, Gibbs was a terrible pick in the first round. We'll see if those two those two respective players help out their help out their uh, respective team. Hey, if you want to look at last year's top paid running backs and see how the teams went, we could we could go down that list. I got the Let's top. do it. Can we do it? Let's just yeah. do it for fun. Yeah, let's do it for fun. Top 10 paid running backs in the NFL last year. Here we year. go. Okay. Number 1, Derrick Henry. Had a great year. Yep. He had a great year. Titans didn't make the postseason. No quarterback. Didn't didn't make the postseason. Number 2, Ezekiel Elliott was the second highest paid running back in the league. The Cowboys won a playoff game. Got hurt. 
Well, Ezekiel, would, Ezekiel no, Elliott he, in two playoff games rushed 23 times and had 50 yards of, of rushing. Well, he was replaced by Tony Pollard. Right. Right. Um, okay. Let's go to Alvin Kamara. Saints did great last year, right? Mm. Okay, number four, Dalvin Cook. Oh. Vikings were great. They lost the first round of the postseason. Yeah, defense was terrible. Yep, now we're going to Joe Mixon. Bengals made it to the AFC Championship game, and you say that you constantly talk about how the Bengals need to upgrade at the running back position. Well, he was he was pretty good. Uh, number six, Christian McCaffrey. Had a great year. Had a great year. Quarterbacks got hurt, yep. Correct. James Conner was number seven. Cardinals played great. Cardinals had a great season. Keeping it on down. We'll go to Saquon <laughs> Barkley, who's on his rookie contract. So it was just because he got drafted so high that he was, he was paid that much. Number nine, Leonard Fournette, who uh, the, the Buccaneers had a losing record. Buccaneers had a losing record. He rushed 10 times for like 20 yards in the playoff game. And then finally, Kareem Hunt, who was the backup running back for the Browns, who did not have a winning record. They were 7-10. Right. Okay. We'll see where it all ends up, where we go, how you guys are feeling about the running back room in week four or five uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. And you I'm know sure what? I Chase won't Brown. I a whole lot about it either way. No, I'm just saying. I, I, and you know what? I actually say this about the Bengals. Like, there's a chance that Chase Brown ends up being great. I hope that he is. Um, I think that P. Ryan, uh, like it or not, say that it's not a big loss, say that you don't think it matters, it does not important. I think P. Ryan's a loss. I think it is. Now, to be fair, the Bengals tried to keep him. The Bengals tried to keep him. And uh, unfortunately, he decided that he didn't want to play second fiddle or whatever that, whatever his really notion was. I don't know if he ever really came out and say it, but P. Ryan obviously felt like he wanted to go somewhere else, and he did. And I believe uh, he's in Denver now. So good luck to him. Uh, one thing I wanted to uh, to ask you guys about: you have all these different things that are gonna that that uh, in sports landscapes. What's the next big sport? Is there a next big sport? Or are we in a country now to where there is not going to be any more really sports that are going to come on? Every single time you hear about another sport trying to make a push, and obviously you hear every single time there's a World Cup, soccer is going to be on its comeback. So I don't, I, I don't say that soccer hasn't grown in this country because I think that it obviously has. But soccer is already an established sport, right? That's, a, that's not really what I'm talking about when I get into this. The, you have people that argue that pickleball might be the next big sport. Um, are you buying into that? And then the reason I ask these questions is because I read an article that ESPN, there's some rumors that they're looking to possibly get into the WWE business and make a push for that. Is that, a, is that a real thing? Like, are we, and I say we, are sports fans, and I'm not downplaying WWE. There's obviously a, there's obviously a, a market for it. There's, there's clearly people that love it, but are we really going to, push that into the category of sports is that a sport because i don't believe that should fall underneath the category of sports not that we need to spend a ton of time on this but your overall quick thoughts on that so it's it's sports entertainment is how they craft uh, how they had to describe it I've, i obviously like am a wrestling fan have been most of my life haven't watched in recent years but uh the thing about the the wwe is they they signed a deal with ESPN a couple of years ago, and now if you watch enough Sports Center, they do a plug for whenever there's one of the big the big four pay per views, which is uh, WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. Anytime that those they they normally do a plug, or if, if someone's making they you know they they craft it, obviously it's all staged, everything like that. But it's still it's still fun to watch. I I, I oftentimes describe it as like uh, it's a it's it's male reality television. You know when girls like my my wife. Last night, sat down and watched The Bachelor. I mean, it's it's the exact same thing as watching WWE. It's it's not the best. It's not the the, the most uh, mind provoking way to spend time, but it's still a lot of fun if you just 
take it for face value. The thing about the WWE is that it was its I don't know if it'll ever reach the popularity of what's it, what it once was. In the Attitude Era, in the, the, the mid to late 90s into the early 2000s, it was one of the most popular television shows. On like it, Its ratings were getting 10 million. Like It was rivaling Monday Night Football. It was rivaling all these other these things. And it was on Monday night. So like you had to pick if you wanted to watch WWE, Monday Night Raw, or if you wanted to watch Monday Night Football. It was, it was competing with those things. I don't think it'll ever get to that point once again because a lot of, uh, a lot of the allure ha has gone away because it is so widely known now that it is not real. I don't know why anyone ever would think it was real. But yeah, it's, it's just a fun, it's, it's a fun thing. I, I, I think it's, it's rising in popularity again. Could you imagine if back in the day they had social media at all that's like the, the biggest like the biggest appeal for me for wwe right now is the fact that the stories transcend the actual like matches themselves they travel on to social media there's spats back and forth and if you really are following along you can like well that that's the yeah. that's the reason that it's so different than where it was in the attitude era so like one of the biggest wrestlers of all time is undertaker right trying to convince in a social media world that there's there's a zombie priest that is coming out every Friday to settle his beast with his with his undead brother Cain who came from the paths of hell. That's a tough sell in 2023. But that's what we sold back in 1993, 1995, 1996, whenever the Attitude Era was in, in the championship era. So th that's tough to sell. We, we can't have these characters anymore in the WWE. Now it's it's become a little more grounded in reality with with the modern day guys. Yeah, I think WWE sucks. But to answer Trace's question, uh, Formula One is the only sport I can think of that would be like a new coming sport. But that's in large part because they have a TV show on it, right? I think any of these Netflix shows, like I think golf could get big again just because, I mean, it's golf, it's, it's already big. But like take, take like a younger audience, right? I think that's what you're seeing with Formula One. That's the only other sport. As far as like a ball and some kind of hoop or something like that, that's done. We've seen, we've seen it all. Uh, but Formula One's the only sport I could think of uh, that would be a rising sport that could still take over the country. Are we are we at all worried about the? I, I don't. Know. I think let me let me let me say this first. I think football will always be wildly popular. I really do believe. But nowadays, less and less kids are playing football for for you know health reasons for for obvious reasons. And are we worried about the future of football and the capacity of, like, maybe it's not going to be the same product. There's not going to be as many athletes on the field because athletes are going to other sports nowadays. I think that that's always a topic of conversation. It's a concern for sports. But the reality is I think most it's, – it's, it's, it's too embedded into certain cultures for that to ever really make a difference. You know, oh, just because uh, – and I know that I'm being very um, – is this politically correct or stereotypical? Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're going to say that I shouldn't say these types of things. But I'm going to say them anyways because I feel like it's the truth. And everybody that has a reasonable, rational brain is the truth. Is the lady that has a PhD in psychology that, that, that has a son or two that really isn't all that athletic going to allow their son and their daughter to play football or contact sports? Probably not. They're probably going to be like, no, this is too. there's too much danger here, Johnny. You're not allowed to play football. You're not doing it. The truth is, is that... Not trying to be mean to the PhD's daughter and or son, but they weren't going to be the ones that we were watching on Sundays anyway, so it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the people that we're watching on Sundays, sons and daughters that play on NFL Sundays, the vast majority of them, that is their culture. That is their love. That is their, their, their lifestyle. 
lends itself to playing that sport very much in this town. If you like it or not, it's it's diverged a little bit. But for a very, very long period of time in Hamilton, you played baseball. That's what you did. That was part of it. If you didn't play baseball, for lack of a better term, you either weren't an athlete or you were a loser. And I know that that's probably not the right thing to say, but that's the truth. I'm not saying that's the that's how it is anymore. But in a way, when people say, are you concerned about people not letting their sons and daughters play this sport? Where? When? I, I mean, do you do we think Tom Brady's not going to allow his son or daughter to play? Uh, Tom Brady uh, a, a actually would be sports? a dad that that would. Lo- I don't not let think his so. Son play I'm just saying in general. Adrian Peterson is he going to say that his son and daughter can't play? Well, we're talking about generations of people that have grown up to where that's their identity within their household is how good is your family within athletics? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I, and I think I think parents know if, if if your child has an athletic gift, right? I think that's going to be a big part of it too. If you're like me, and I grew up very short, I was a very short. I'm still very short, but I was very short. I wasn't the fastest guy. I was, but I was. You know, I could play sports. I was I was very good at sports, but football was just never in the cards. I didn't have the athletic capabilities. But you are seeing it. Uh, I grew up on the west side of Cincinnati. There's a lot more Catholic schools that are combining now in football. Uh, I think Vizzy or Vizzy, Vizzy's by himself by themselves still, but it's you know like victories with somebody. Uh, Saint Teresa's with somebody now. Saint Dominic's paired with somebody. So there's all these schools are kind of pairing up because there is a shortage of people. So I think you're 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 miss. There is a there is. But how many of those those schools that you just mentioned? To my point. Yeah. How many of those schools? Have anybody that's ever played professional football and or high-level college football out of their alumni of the history of those schools? Well, Vizzy has quite a bit. But, yeah, I get your point. Uh, I, I think – and, again, you're right. I, you're right. It's never going to go away. People are still – Right. It's, I'm not, not saying it's going to go away. I'm just saying do we think that the – The quality is going Yeah, down. do we think that there's just – I mean, it's just – it's a numbers game, right? And I'm looking at a, a Forbes article right now that says that youth participation in football – um, for ages right around 12 is down 35 percent since 2008 that's one third of the players are no longer playing football ages 12 than there were 15 years ago that's a problem that's one third of the players and you, and to think that we're not going to have a decrease in ability on the players on the field it, it seems almost just unsensical I, I, I maybe I get the concept. I understand the theory behind it. I'm not buying the narrative. I'm not buying it one second. I get that the fact of the matter is that maybe more and more parents are becoming a little more aware that you probably shouldn't have, uh, you know, little Johnny and Ricky running around at eight years old, smashing helmets in, in, in little small man football. But the, the, the truth is, is that by the time they get to seventh, eighth, ninth grade, the athletic ones that are probably going to go on and play high level college football and or go to the NFL they're going to exist, they're going to be there, and they're going to be there until we're at least dead and gone, period. So if you're worried about the level of play, maybe it is in three, four, five generations from now, but American football in and of itself is too big of a product for the, for the, for the product itself to regress in regards to the level of play. Athletes in general have done nothing since the start of, of everybody's life have gotten better and better and better and better. In fact, one would venture to say, that the only reason in the NFL that the quarterback position is so valued is because it's a skill-based position and it's not an athletic-based position as much. And that's the real reason why their quarterbacks are are really, I guess, the only thing that you could say is truly valued in the NFL. 
If we want to get to value, the only thing that's really valued right. at a premium in the NFL is the quarterback position. And I would argue it's legitimately the only position that you could say that a non-athletic, and by non-athletic, we got to be a little careful when saying that, but hopefully you get my point. A non-athletic player could possibly play at a, a good and or elite level. Their RAS score as a NFL quarterback might not matter, but every other position, to Casey's point, and to be fair, could be solved by a RAS score because you just need to be a really good athlete with good coaches, and, and, and you learn some techniques, and by the time you learn the techniques, you're going to be just as good enough player to be able to to be able to play the position at a high level. So we'll see where it all ends up going, but I'm not worried one second that the level of play is going to regress because in my lifetime, legitimately athletes have gotten nothing but better and better yeah, and better and better. That's that's a fair point that, that I guess I didn't realize. I was not taken into the part that, you know, we just athletes nowadays have a lot more opportunities and a lot more, you know, a lot more places to learn from. You know, we have the internet now. You didn't just have one guy teaching you how to hit 30 years ago. I mean, everything you knew about hitting 30 years ago came from your one coach. Now you can pretty much get it from wherever. So there's just a lot more opportunities now. I will, you know, we were talking off air, and I argue, you know, you and me yell, yell at each other a lot when we're arguing and stuff like that, all, all out of love. But well, me Correct. and Spur, we only argue and yell at each other about one topic, and that is how important a running back or a quarterback is to a team, a championship team. And I argue that a quarterback is, you know, you know, if you're, you're making a concoction and you need a percentage point of a championship team, I think a quarterback is a third, at least a third of the team. Like, if you don't have an elite quarterback, I mean, you're looking at the last 23 World Series, or Super Bowl champions, only two of them have been non-elite quarterbacks. So I would argue that it's like 33%, if not greater, that your quarterback play is, is to a championship team. What would you say, like, if you had to give a percentage – of elite quarterback play being to a championship team. Because we talked about, like, you know, you need 10% luck, 20% skill, 15% right. concentrated power and will. Oh. I like that. Oh. Nice. That was very on, nice Dave. of you. That's, uh, who is that, Tiny Tempo? Who's, who's, who did that one? Fort Minor, who Fort I Minor. just found out this year is Lincoln Park. I did not know that. Wait, really? Really? Yeah. <laughs> That's Lincoln Park. This is a tough one. Uh, this is a tough one. Um, I would venture to say that the quarterback position is the ultimate. It is It is. It is. 30, 30, 30, 30. I, I'm right around the same point. 30 to 40% importance. Uh, if you don't have a – now, I could argue that you, if you had a serviceable quarterback, you could definitely win a Super Bowl with elite-level defense. Uh, that's been proven in the past. Uh, the Ravens have done that. And, you know, but this day and age, the way that the rules are, the way that the league is going, it's trending. It is very much an offensive-driven league, and it's all predicated off of the quarterback. And, you know, I'd make the argument right now, and I don't think it's all that crazy to say, that if the Dallas Cowboys had an elite-level quarterback, right. I think they win the Super Bowl. I think they win the Super Bowl last year if they, they had an elite-level quarterback. I don't know if they win the Super Bowl, but they definitely are, you know, a serious contender. I mean, we talk about the, the Cowboys like they're this periphery contender. Like, yeah, if, if a lot of things go right, the dominoes fall in the right way, then, then yeah, they, they can win a Super Bowl. But – if they have, you know, one of the, the five elite quarterbacks in the league, they have the Joe Burrows, the Patrick Mahomes, the Josh Allens, the even Justin Herberts or Jalen Hurts. If they have one of these guys, then, yeah, they are serious, serious contenders. And that's the whole point of, of the argument. Yeah, dominoes can fall the right way, i.e. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers from 21 years ago and the, the Ravens from over a decade ago with Joe Flacco. But every other Super Bowl champion 
has had one of the elite quarterbacks in the league, and that will continue, if not become even more apparent as the years go on, which, to, to bring up the point you brought up earlier about having the window of a player's career, if you have a window, what is it? And, you know, the, the joke has been it's whole Joe Burrow's career. Well, if Joe Burrow is as elite as we think he is, and I, I believe that he is, then, yeah, the, the window is his whole career. The only counter-argument, and again, I'm a Joe Burrow fan. I think Joe Burrow is is the real deal. And I'm, what I'm about to say is not to try to be pessimistic towards him one second. I think that people could take that out of context, what I'm about to say. So I wanted to pre predicate that and get out in front of this before I say it, is this. I don't know if Joe Burrow's really been the ultimate reason as to why the, the, the Bengals have had superior success, though, when it comes to the postseason. I think that their defense is the number one reason as to why they've won games. If you take a, and again, maybe I'm being too harsh. Maybe you're saying I'm, I'm a, I, and listen, I think, again, to be fair, Joe Burrow, his offensive line in and of itself the past few years has made it to where it's damn near impossible for him to, to be, you know, what he, I think his ceiling is. I think that if you give Joe Burrow the, the line of a Tom Brady when he played for the Patriots, if you give Joe Burrow the line of of um, Holmes. the Colts, yeah. At some point, Joe Burrow has a ceiling. I don't think he's reached the ceiling because of that specifically, so I'm, I'm also countering my argument to that. But in the Chiefs game, to get to the Super Bowl last year in Arrowhead, I don't know. I don't know if Joe Burrow really played above what many other average or or above average quarterbacks in the NFL would have played at. That's the sad truth too, though. So as much as we want to sit here and act like Joe Burrow's that guy, and I think he is, he's also not really just put the team completely on his back and won a game in a very, very big moment. It's always been the defense that's helped him and kept him in the game. And no, I'm not suggesting no doubt, for a no second doubt. that's Joe Burrow's fault, but the Titans game, 100%. If the, if the defense doesn't force those turnovers, they don't even sniff winning that game. There's, Joe Burrow's never had to go out and win a football game. And again, I hearken back to like Kurt Warner's of the day. Kurt Warner has to go out and score 30, 40 points at times to win the Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's never had to do that. He's never had a defense that's been so bad that you know you pretty much have to go down the field and score. Otherwise, the other team's going to probably get a lead on you. And then by the time you get down, you know, 21 points, it's going to require you to change a game plan, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All that being said, it does, and that's where Sean's right. It does take, obviously, and this seems like a very, very obvious statement. It does take a full team to win the Super Bowl. But I do think that part of that prerequisite, if we're being completely honest, has to be the quarterback. you got to have a serviceable quarterback, at least this day and age. Does Trent Dilfer win a Super Bowl right now in this current landscape of the NFL? I don't think he does. I mean, you could say that he maybe can. I don't think he does. Back in the day when you could hold, you know, when you could hold receivers and you could kind of, you know, quite frankly, be much more aggressive and therefore allow it to be a little bit of an uglier game. The defense, is, it becomes more of like a defensive game than it becomes more of like, like we see now, much more offensively driven. You could make the case that I think that, uh, that I think you have to have a quarterback, which I don't think is a very, very strong argument to make. I know that I see both sides, I guess. I think to I'm your doing. point, I mean, to your point, the playoff, every playoff win Joe Burrow has, has been a large part because of the defense, not because of himself or the offense. I think every single one. The issue is he has five playoff wins. Joe Burrow has five playoff wins in his first three seasons as, a, as an NFL quarterback. No other quarterback has ever done that. 
So that's where that's where I think the line is skewed. Where it's like, is Joe Burrow the reason the like the Bengals are like out of games? I think he he's, he is a large part of the reason why the Bengals are in these games. That the defense. Again, win, probably wins you the game, but Joe Burrow is still a large factor in those games. Yeah. Listen, My question to you is this, and this is something we're not going to know. My question to, 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 the, to, the, to the room and to the chat. We know Joe Burrow is going to get paid. When Joe Burrow gets paid, it's going to cut your opportunities down on other places. You're not going to have this perfectly well-balanced team, right? right? The question is, is do we think that Joe Burrow is good enough to mask the problems that he's going to produce when he gets paid? That answer is yet to be determined, whether you like it or not. You can say you love Joe Burrow as much as you want, but the truth is, until you see what actually happens and the cuts they have to make, you don't know for sure if Joe Burrow is the guy that can mask the problems that he's going to create. And by all God, let me, let me say this clear. Joe Burrow should get paid as much money as you could possibly make in the NFL. He's the best quarterback that the Bengals have ever had. I think, in, in, and I know that people are going to say, oh, Boomer Sias and all these guys. In general terms, the, what he's done for this franchise in this city, he's the best quarterback and leader that this franchise has ever had. He should get paid for it. But you also can't say for sure whether or not when he gets paid that he isn't going to make a difference when it comes to financial uh, cuts that are going to be made in other positions. And at this point, to Elliot and to your credit, they are a well-rounded team. You can't knock Joe Burrow for it. You just can't sit here and say for sure that he's going to be worth it when he doesn't have a defense or, or and maybe they'll find ways to get guys on rookie deals and they'd run an unbelievable system in a team. I'm not saying that it, that's not possible either, but Joe Burrow, we're in the honeymoon phase right now. I think we're still in the honeymoon phase. I'm not saying it's going to turn sour, but you'd be fooling yourself. I think, and again, I know I'm an outsider. You'd be fooling yourself. If you think that you're not in the honeymoon stays with Joe Burrow. But every point that I think both you guys have made is, is, is fair. It's, it's absolutely fair that, um, we haven't seen Joe Burrow's great playoff um, performance yet. We haven't we haven't seen that yet. It's 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 coming. We're gonna see it at some point where he throws for 460 yards and stuff like that. He's played well in some games. He, he's done great, but the defense has been a large part of it. But also, we're talking about a guy that in back-to-back years has broken the franchise record in, in, t- in passing touchdowns. We're talking about a guy that has the highest completion percentage in NFL history. And all while doing this, while getting sacked 92 times over the past two seasons. This is a guy that is 100% the future of the team. He's a guy that I think can mask those problems. I think he is... He is to the point, to the level, and he draws these comparisons all the time that is unjust and not fair to the guy that he's he's getting compared to, but to the guy that won you know so many Super Bowls that it has become laughable in Tom Brady and the fact that throughout Tom Brady's career, everyone looked at his team and been like, yeah, but like, couldn't other guys do what he's doing right now? Couldn't other guys doing what he's doing right now? We could absolutely do the exact same thing at the end of Joe Burrow's career and be like, man... He, he hasn't looked fantastic in the postseason. Man, if you throw somebody else out there, couldn't he have done that? Couldn't he have done that? We will do the exact same thing about JB9 at the end of his career. 100%. He will mask the problems. This Bengal team will be good for a decade straight. As long as Joe Burrow is healthy. As long as Joe Burrow stays upright. This Bengals team can win every single game that they step on the field. And I think the only counter argument I would have, and again, I'm a Bengals fan. I believe in what Reed just said. If you look at the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, uh, I think Stephen A. Smith said yesterday that Stephon Diggs now wants out of there. I think they've now passed the That's window. That's been reported true or false, by the way. That's been reported false. By Stephon Diggs on Twitter. Okay. Shout out Diggs. Uh, 
I, I think if you look at the Bills, you look at Josh Allen, I think their window's passed. And I think that just is a testament to how good Joe Burrow is. I think Joe Burrow is significantly better than Josh Allen. But if you looked at them right now two years ago and said, yeah, the Bills are going to be a Super Bowl contender for 10-plus years because of this guy, I think you'd, you'd, you'd probably say the same thing. But now it's completely different. I think the Bills are almost dead in the water. In a couple years, I think their window will be passed and the Buffalo Bills will be back to irrelevancy. Yeah, we, we killed them on that snowy day that doesn't matter apparently to Trace. We'll see what happens. I think that, uh, you know, hey, listen, <laughs> I, I, I get it. I understand. Um, everybody thinks that, you know, I, I think the Bengals, and rightfully so, should be very excited about the upcoming season because they're in a position that not many teams are in. They got a, they got an elite-level quarterback on a rookie deal, and, and they have, you know, arguably one of the better defenses that, that this league will have this year. Again, that's not been proven yet, but at the end, at the end of the – at the end of the season, when you look back at it, I'd be hard-pressed not to think that this Bengals defense isn't going to be above league average, if not in the top 10, maybe. And uh, and if that's the case and the defense is in the top 10, then I think when you got a quarterback like Joe Burrow and the weapons that he has, which also never gets brought up when we talk about how great Joe Burrow is, he also has unbelievable weapons. Weapons that most of this league doesn't have. Correct. So, you know, and again, these things are, they, they need to be said, but they also don't need to be like, they don't need to be a Joe Burrow problem. I'm not being a hater by telling you that Joe Burrow has weapons. I'm just suggesting that that might help in the reason as to why he looks so damn good. I think Joe Burrow, again, the one thing he's never had, he's never had supreme protection, which is maybe the ultimate thing that you need when you're a quarterback, right? Yes, people want to harken back and say, oh, he's got T. Higgins. He's got uh, Jamar Chase. He's got Tyler Boyd. He's got... You know, I don't think they ever really give him credit for the running backs he has because, you know, and I'm not suggesting that Joe Mixon's not a great running back, but no one's going to be like, oh, Joe Burrow's great because he throws the ball to Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield or something like that. So my main point to all of this is, is that the Bengals are in a prime position to make a Super Bowl run. There's no doubt about it. The scary part, the scary part, if I were a Bengals fan, is that it feels like the window of opportunity is this next one or two years of supreme opportunity. Does it mean that he can't win after the next two years? No. But of all the years that he could win it, you could say the next two years are the most likely if on paper when you look at the team. Simple as that. Because once he gets paid, you're not going to have the depth you have now. It's just not. I've watched. Listen, you guys want to make fun of me, all my Packers fans that they are? I'm telling you, I've seen it in Green Bay. They did the same stuff. They wanted to act like it was going to be great forever. And you know what? They had their opportunities. Yeah, but say, they never, they but they never, they never went all in and tried to make it like, hey, let's get what we actually need to win. And again, the, the Jordan Love thing may look unbelievable. And I'll laugh all the way to the bank if Jordan Love ends up being another great quarterback. And, but they went to the NFC championship and they spent a first round pick on a quarterback because in their head they got their head so damn big that the quarterback is going to mask every problem and it just doesn't always it just doesn't always when your quarterback and your offense has to go score 45 points in a playoff game to win it's not sustainable and I'm just saying that once you pay the receivers and once you pay Joe Burrow you're not going to have that many elite level guys on the defensive side of the ball you're just not now can you go out and draft and develop maybe but but again that's like that's like saying that the Cincinnati Reds or or again you maybe use the Rays as an example but these small market teams should be competitive every single year with the big market it's not feasible because when you can't spend money in important areas it's hard to keep up you got to be perfect from a management standpoint 
Uh, Casey, were you going to say something? Yeah, just so the, the whole Joe Burrow argument here, um, I just decided to look at the playoff career stats for Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, and Joe Burrow. And almost pound for pound, Joe Burrow is in the exact same average as Tom Brady throughout his entire career. Maybe one of the best Super Bowl quarterbacks, playoff quarterbacks ever, right? right? And not only that, uh, Joe Burrow has been sacked 29 times in the playoffs. Um, Mahomes, out of the five years he's been in the league, he's played... He's made to the AFC Championship at least every game. Every every time he's played in, I want to say that's 14 times. He's played in 14 games, Joe Burrow in seven. Joe Burrow has been sacked 29 times, Patrick Mahomes 30 in that time frame. Literally, yeah. literally and, and they're not even that far apart in terms of average, right? Uh, Joe Burrow has a 4.0 percentage in touchdowns, a one point percentage in interceptions and Mahomes is at a, a at a seven which is very high but at a 1.5 for interception percentage so I mean the rate the quarterback rate if you want to look at that too um, Joe Burrow is better than Tom Brady at the current moment and I know it's a small sample size but again he's also throwing for more yards than Tom Brady is right now um, if you want to average it out, and um, he's right behind Mahomes. I mean, with what little Joe Burrow has had to work with with an offensive line, and I, I get the I get the argument that once he gets paid, you're going to have to start worrying about other things. But I would argue that he's already shown what he can do without an offensive line. So really, you only need to do one thing, which is pay an offensive line, maybe one. And I've had this take for a long time. You only really need to pay one one guy like Jamar Chase. And then you just supplement rookies. Right. Now, we don't know what the plan is for his contract. We really don't. I mean, everyone expects him to get a top-tier contract. I mean, I think that's like 95% guaranteed. But we have no idea the structure of it. No idea. Maybe they do find a way to sign T. Higgins. Maybe they do find a way to keep the defense. They're on pace for, to doing that right now. They extended Trey Hendrickson. I mean, the, 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 the trajectory of this team right now is looking like they can keep a lot of their guys at the current moment. So I don't know. I agree, like, but the window isn't – the window isn't I, – I, when everyone say the window is Joe Burrow's career, I, I don't I, – I, 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 it's hard for me to believe that that statement is, is – it is true. But, again – this is all relative semantics. At some point, it, it, you just kind of move on and you see how the, the chips fall. But the, my, but the main point I'm making is is that the pressure keeps building up. And again, this is the honeymoon stage. You don't win a Super Bowl. And again, it's hard to win a Super Bowl. But if you don't win a Super Bowl in the next two to three years, it's hard for me to imagine a scenario to where the rumblings don't get very loud around here. Oh, man. And, and, and the fact is, is that it gets harder and harder to win the Super Bowl once you pay your quarterback. I've watched it. The guy says, uh, you're a Packers fan. Why don't you tell me the record with, with the Packers? That's my point. I've seen it. I've watched it. Once you pay the quarterback, you don't have any depth. It's gone. One defensive end gets hurt. One offensive lineman gets hurt. You're grabbing guys that literally have been, that were bagging up trash a week before, and you're sticking them in the lineup. That's what you got. And you can sit here and say that all oh, well, well, the, 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 the Bengals will figure it out. Will they? 
I'm just suggesting that if you're not going to at least admit as a Bengals fan, I'm, I'm cool with you saying the Bengals, by God, you should be proud of the hell of them. They're the, one of the best teams in the NFL. But if you're not going to admit and you're going to say blindly say, uh, our window of opportunity is, is, is basically entire, uh, the entire career of Joe Burrow, you're being a little blind. You're, you're, you have blinders on. What I'm saying is if you don't, your best chance is the next two to three years. I, and I'm not saying go all in, like trade everything. But I would have a little more sense of urgency in the next two years than I would for the rest of Joe Burrow's career because the chips, you have the perfect scenario right now. A perfect storm. It's perfect. And I wouldn't worry about who my sixth or fifth or fourth round pick is in two years because of it. That's my point. The reason that Aaron Rodgers in my opinion, didn't win more Super Bowls is because the Packers just assumed that they didn't need to go after it now. They would just, oh, we'll just kind of keep it moving. So the depth was always an issue, and they never went out and tried to fill holes and voids of, uh, in the offseason. And I again, maybe you'd like to say that the Packers got unlucky and they could have won more Super Bowls, blah, 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 blah. Maybe you could argue that. But my main point is I'm not going to listen to someone tell me that the, that the Bengals' best chance to win a Super Bowl isn't this year and next year because it is oh I, I don't think we're arguing that they shouldn't make a trade like if they have a, an option to get a guy that is a second round pick or a third round pick i'm all for it but at the running back spot that's not where i'm going i would rather yeah. go get a defensive player that could make a difference uh maybe you're talking tight end i i don't know they feel pretty good at the tight end spot right now but it's just it's not running back for me yeah, yeah, the, the running back thing aside. Um, you're right and wrong about a about Well, Nick things. Mormon, really quickly, says overreacting to urgency is how you don't have sustained success. Who the hell has sustained success winning Super Bowls in the NFL? Nobody! Just one team has. Out, maybe two. You could say the Chiefs have, and you could argue the Chiefs have gotten very fortunate to even win one Super Bowl. So I'm so tired of hearing people say sustained success, sustained success. No one has sustained success in the NFL. Nobody outside of one team named the Patriots. That's it. They fooled all of us. They fooled every single franchise. I would, would you rather be the Rams or would you rather be the Saints? I guess the Saints all went all in too. Or would you rather be, the, I guess, the Packers? So the two, the, the two things that, that I'd say you're right and you're wrong about are you're right about quarterbacks typically win their Super Bowls early on in their career. If you look at the – the recent uh, Hall of Fame quarterbacks, they all did it with the exception of two guys. Peyton Manning didn't win in his first six, seven years, and neither did Drew Brees. Other than that, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Ben Roethlisberger, all these great Hall of Fame quarterbacks did win early on in their career. But I'm also going to push back on the on the, the assertion that the, the Green Bay Packers weren't Super Bowl contenders for the past 15 years because they were. They just didn't win. They, they were contenders. They, I mean, they, they were the number one seed in the NFC. How many times? Four times? They get to the conference championship five, six times. It just so happened that the Packers didn't get back to the Super Bowl. They didn't get back, and it's hard. But I'm not going to sit here and listen to you telling me that the Packers weren't serious contenders for the majority of, of Aaron Rodgers' career because they were. If you're the number one team in the NFC, you're a serious contender. That's if you get to the NFC conference championship, you're a serious contender. They just didn't get over across that hump again. No, it's more than fair, and I think that, that unfortunately for the the the, the pack, it is it, it's it's a it's a multitude of things that have to go right in the NFL to win the Super Bowl, and 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 like it or not, Parker Blake said it eloquently earlier. You have to get lucky. 
You have to get lucky. No doubt. You have to get lucky. I, 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 it's that's the weirdest thing about sports. We sit here and talk about what you need, what you don't need, blah 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 blah. And then at the end of the, at the end of all of it, I think it requires it just requires some luck. You have to get lucky. Speaking of luck, you know what they say about luck? I'm about to find my headphones. What's eighty percent? Eighty percent of luck, or whatever? What's the term? Eighty percent success is just showing up. Yep. And I, I gotta say, say, I gotta say. Uh, Tracy Jones, Mr. 29, you had your bobblehead night the other night. I think that's, is that, that's, that should be true. I believe that, uh, that, that happened. Tracy, um, your overall thoughts on, uh, you know, I don't know, did, did, I don't want to say, did you ever win a championship? That would probably put you in a really, really bad spot. You could, you could at least lie and say that you have won at least a championship if you didn't, but your overall thoughts on the argument of whether or not the Bengals should, should, I guess, make maybe moves they wouldn't traditionally make in the next year or two because they have an unbelievable opportunity right in front of them. And uh, would you go all in, I guess, is the term that people use. I would absolutely go all in. I love their skilled players. Their offensive line, I think, is going to be better this year. I think the Bengals are right there. Aren't they favored to go to um, the Super Bowl this year? I think. That, they, in Kansas City, I think. Right they are Joe, Joe Burrow and some and some sports books of the world and uh, on Betfred is right there at the top of the list to win the league MVP. So if you have a chance for your quarterback to win league MVP, that means they probably think that your team is, is going to be near the top. But but uh, but but switching gears here really quickly here, Tracy, did you have your bobblehead night? Yeah, let, let's get back to talking about something really important. And that okay. was my bobblehead night at right. y'all's game, Florence y'all's. Mm-hmm. Let, let me try to paint the picture here for you guys. Picture filled of dreams meets Saturday night fever. That's the electricity that was in that ballpark. It was so much better than going to a Reds game. You know how you've got a, a bunch of lunchbox people that go to the Reds games? These people were all that went to the Y'all's game for my bobblehead were all high-end. They were more sophisticated. And actually, if you check the FQI, the FQI for that game, it was a Wednesday game too. Still, mm-hmm. it was it was rocking and rolling. If you check the FQI for that game, it was higher than the Reds got Friday night against Toronto. That's hard to believe, I know, you guys, but it was really something. A lot of energy. Is Elliot there by any chance? Of course, Elliot is here. Elliot, take it away. I'm, Elliot, here, Mr. I'm here, Mr. Jones. Elliot, could I ask you a question? Are you married or do you have a girlfriend? Uh, no, no to both questions, Mr. Jones. Okay, Elliot, please do me a favor. Yeah. Go to you all's game and check out the wool at those games. I've never seen so many good-looking girls. You would have thought you were at a Dodger game <laughs> or an Angel game. There were so many good-looking girls Elliot, please, you'll, you'll find someone there. I guarantee it. I'll, I'll try. I'll try. I'll try to make it out this week or next week, Mr. Jones. Yeah. And by the way, my bobblehead was a huge success. Let me. You guys have seen my bobblehead, right? No. I mean, do you know? Do you have some? Yeah, I think I have one left. This oh, actually, man. when you, when most people uh, get their bobblehead, it's made in China. This mm-hmm. was actually made in Switzerland. There's a wow. hand, there's a watchmaker that doubles as a bobblehead uh, maker. And this is what he came up with. I think it is just the best bobblehead 
you've ever seen, right? I mean, you could drop this and it won't break. I mean, it's just really something. I'm Do you want to try that on air? Do you want to try that on air? Do you want to test that theory oh, or no? No, 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 no. It's, no I, I, I show a lot of respect for this little guy. I really like him. But we really had a good, a, a good time. Marty was there. Marty yeah. and Amanda. And we had a good time. It's too bad. You guys would have liked it. So, so how many of those do you have sitting around? Do you got some extra ones? What does it take to get to get your uh, bobblehead right up here with the other pristine bobbleheads that are uh, that are on you know, the producer's desk? I think I've got one or two left. Uh, you could actually, if you want one, Trace, you could go to eBay. They're selling them for forty-five dollars. Are they? Look at those guys, Google that. It's on eBay, forty-five dollars a piece, which I think is a bargain. I'm a little upset. I think they should go for more. So what kind of seats did Marty have at the Y'all's game? Did you get any special privileges? Or we was Marty out? At, was, was, oh, you were in a suite. Okay. We were in a suite. And it really is a nice ballpark. I got to tell you, I had a good time. Crowd stayed till the end. Game was 11-10. I, I will say this. And all kidding aside, yeah. the players, and I've watched a lot of minor league baseball because my son Hunter was in it for 10 years. So I've seen... Single, I've seen rookie, A ball, double A, triple A. The players aren't real good. There's some plays that, which is fine, which is fine. But, you know, I just saw some plays that should have been made. But they had a pitcher that was throwing 96 miles an hour, which is, which is pretty good. There was actually a Yankee scout in, the, in uh, attendance watching the kids. So there's yeah. just kind of a little bit of drop off between, you know, A ball, double A, triple A, and then independent baseball. But the y'all's great time, and I would highly recommend going to a ball game there well you know uh brett kennedy who's thrown a couple of really good starts here now for the cincinnati reds was playing some indie ball so indie ball can have its opportunities for guys to get a second opportunity it is kind of wild though tracy the discrepancy in talent sometimes in indie ball games you have some guys that are actually pretty damn good that might end up playing right. perhaps some more professional baseball in the minor league level and or perhaps even possibly the major league level if you get a great story and then you have some guys that I think that are just on the tail end of uh, either a college career or perhaps somebody hasn't told them yet that they probably should just decide to move on. But uh, that's why they that's why they have Tracy Joan Knight, so they can have you come out uh, and share share that information for them. I think it was it's really tough, and I think you're wasting time in another job than to go out there and play independent baseball as a position ball player. Now, if you're a pitcher, you you might get a shot of signing. But a position ball player, how many, how many position, how many catchers are they signing? How many shortstops? Really? That that's yeah. not going to happen. But the guys, those guys, and I had a chance to talk to a few players before the game. Really nice kids, just love the game of baseball. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, they don't want to hang it up. They're just going to keep playing, and they're having a good time. Not making much money, but still having a good time. Well, no doubt about it. I think that uh, I, I think that you know. There's there's two ways to look at that. I kind of was on the pessimistic side at the end of your career when you're looking at uh, what you should do in, in regards to playing. Some sometimes though, just just keep on playing until someone tells you're not allowed to play anymore. Might not might be the best strategy uh, to do. I, I don't know. I mean, I it's uh, I'm I hear you though. Perhaps they might be a better off just to go and start their career and doing something else, and they might be able to get ahead of the game. But hell, if you want to keep playing baseball and you can get away with it, more power to you. And, and listen, you know I. Those guys really, there's not many Tracy Joneses out there. I mean, Tracy Jones went from 
baseball, to being a financial advisor, to having the number one show in the region in the afternoon on one of the biggest radio stations. I get to right. be on Chatterbox with you guys. I have multiple streams of income. So I don't expect those guys to be like a Tracy Jones. So, but still, you know, you get 30 years old and you're playing independent ball, you need to turn the page. That, that's my piece of advice for those guys. Tracy, when you were in the big leagues, uh, I, I was fortunate enough. I think I might have told this story before, uh, maybe not. Um, I was fortunate enough to play three summers, I believe, uh, for Mark Lewis. And for those that don't know who Mark Lewis is, Mark Lewis was Good drafted. Uh, yeah, drafted in '89, uh, second overall. Ended up playing for Cleveland, and he was very similar to you, Tracy. To be honest with you, he, he got the fortune of playing for I don't know four or five. Somebody could dig that up. How many? How many teams did he play for? Five major league teams, maybe. I don't know if he was as good as you. I don't know if he got the five, but I know he got up there. But the one thing that he kind of kept telling me was just the clubhouse and how how that's you just can't replicate that. You'll never again in your entire life be able to find a place that was similar or like the clubhouse. Are you able to share any clubhouse stories that, that, that immediately pop to mind that obviously are appropriate? You don't throw anyone under the bus, perhaps. I'm not asking you to do that. But he would tell me, Clubhouse story after clubhouse story after clubhouse story. When I would uh, when I would be on these road trips with him and we'd be driving around to play summer baseball, um, mm -hmm. that were quite honestly hilarious. Don't know if you'd ever find it in corporate America. I know you wouldn't. But do you have any particular clubhouse memories that uh, that immediately popped to mind? Well, Trace, I'm going to say something, and you might want to write this down. This is very okay. Profound. We'll write this down. What happened? I don't. You probably have never heard this before. But what happens? in the locker room stays in the locker room. Have you guys ever heard that before? Or is this the first time? Um, I, first time I've ever heard that. You, you know, I'll tell you a story. I, I'll tell you what, what was, wasn't, it's not funny, but when you have a clubhouse meeting and your team is stinking it up and you got to shake things up, I actually saw Danny Jackson and Eddie Milner get into it as, as Pete was talking. They got into a little bit, and, and, and everything fine, was fine after that. But I saw Chet Lemon and uh, Jack Morris get into it over a clubhouse meeting. I remember Sparky telling our hitting coach and a guy who I think could be in the Hall of Fame or probably should be in the Hall of Fame, Veda Pinson. Can you imagine Sparky? Because Veda was talking, and Sparky didn't like that and told Veda to shut up. And just these team meetings, a lot of things can go down. It's not funny stuff, but it just kind of catches you off guard because when you're in the locker room, we all get along. We're, we're, there's not backstabbers. Do you know what I mean? Nobody's backstabbing because we're all worried about ourselves. We're all self-centered when you're a baseball Not me, but a lot of those other guys. But they think the world revolves around them, and a lot of those players, it, it does. I was in radio for a long time. <laughs> there was a guy that backstabbed me all the time. I never had that in baseball. Never was backstabbed at all. This guy just keeps throwing, you know, stabbed me in the back every time I turned around. So, yeah, just kind of a different, I miss being in the locker room. I, I really do because the guys are really good guys. Well, I'd say 99% of the guys that are on baseball teams, super cool. Couple pointed questions I have about the Reds, I guess in general terms of, of of an overarching when you're in the clubhouse, you're in our locker room, how does it affect the team? 
Jake Fraley is a guy that's obviously had a lot of success this year for the Cincinnati Reds. Has been a large part of their uh, of of the reason they are where they are. Has a fractured toe. Is in a position where the doctors have told him that he can go out and try to play on it. And if he breaks it, then it's the same basically timetable to return as he would if he just had a fracture. And it's going to require surgery regardless. So it's up to you. Jake Fraley said this team's special. He wants to play. Do you think, and this is where I, I want I want your opinion on it, because uh, mine obviously has, I have I have a specific one. I want to see if it, they, they align. What's your opinion on guys that decide that they decide that, you know, I, I'm going to play through this injury. Does it, do you think it can wear on a team if the player comes back and doesn't perform after a certain bit of time? Do players start to think to themselves in your mind, hey, this guy's being selfish and everyone else is acting like he's being unselfish? That's a great, great question. My advice to Fraley would be to sit it out. Trace, it is so tough to play in the big leagues. Big leaguers nowadays are so much better than years past. I mean, it guys throwing 100 miles an hour, throwing you know great sliders, change-ups. I think you're hurting the team if you're not 100%. I think it's tough to play in the big leagues when you are 100%. To try to play at 80% or 90%, I think it's too tough and you're going to hurt the team. I played with a guy, and you guys, I'm not going to name the name, but he was a player. If he had a hangnail, if he just if he just didn't feel good, at, he'd sit the game out. And, you know, I thought that was bad, but I think he's pretty smart than doing what I did, go out there and play on a bum knee and, and embarrass myself. You know, there, that was stupid. Should have just sat it out, got surgery, but, you know, I was trying to do a Fraley thing. Because nobody cares about your injury. Nobody cares. The only one that cares is your wife, you know, your mom and dad. You're trying to be a gamer, and you're hurting the team. So if I, my advice to Fraley, and I don't think you could fix a broken toe. Am I right on that? I mean, there's no surgery. You don't set it. You don't wear a cast. It just takes time. So I would, I would set it out. Get healthy. Play 100%, not 90 yeah, I, I mean, that's where I'm at a little bit with Jake Fraley. I hope that he comes back. He plays well, but my fear is, is that, you know, when you're not healthy, it's it's really hard to play well. I mean, it just is. I mean, I know that you could argue that he could DH, and I think that's probably where he ultimately will get slotted into doing. But even when you're a DH, you got to run. I don't know how running goes with uh, with a broken toe, but we'll see We'll see ultimately where it, where it ends up. Jonathan India, another guy that's obviously been out with injury, very frustrated with the uh, with the way that that's all all that whole thing's been handled, do you think that that has any impact on front office? Do you think that perhaps when you go into the media, and again, I'm not suggesting that Jonathan India should or should not have done this. What I am doing is trying to paint a picture around the reality of the situation. Jonathan India got his advice from the team doctors. Got advice that perhaps another second opinion doctor in California asked, why in the world did you handle this this way from the beginning? And he obviously then said, well, that's what I was told to do. Now he's frustrated with the team doctors. He's pretty much publicly said that. Do you think that that has any kind of um, negative impact or is that just kind of a null void? Not that big of a deal. You move on. Who cares? Do you think it has a negative impact that he's been openly frustrated uh, against the team doctors? Yeah, I don't know if the, is Kremchek still the team doctor because I'm good he, friends well, with him. I don't. Tim Tim kind of has passed. It's still within the Beacon Orthopedics. It's um, yeah. Razan, uh, not that we need to name the names, but Rosano, I believe, is now kind of one of the lead men. But that is essentially the heir apparent or kind of the uh, the study. I don't want to. 
I don't want to, I'm probably using terms that maybe these doctors wouldn't agree with, but it's, it's kind of the same lineage of Krimchek. He kind of passed it along here to, uh, to Rosano and the gang. Yeah. I don't want to badmouth any doctor. Um, but I think it's always important as an athlete or just a regular person, a, you know, a ham and egger to go get a second opinion on something. I, because I, I, I believe in getting, surrounding yourself with really intelligent people. My friend recently is really sick and he went to number of doctors to get what they thought he should do and ended up with some great doctors to get some advice. You know, it's always easy to second guess as well, but anytime you have an injury, even if it's your kid or yourself, you should get a second opinion. I wish I would have got a second opinion when I hurt my knee originally. All right, final thoughts here before we get off. Your overall just takeaway with the Cincinnati Reds, do you think that they're doomed? Do you see that the magic has worn off? Your overall gut reaction when it comes to what these, what, what it is, a young team that has either yeah. peaked or perhaps they're just going through a little lowly slump and they'll be right back on track with what we've seen earlier this year. Your gut reaction. Here's, here's my concern, and I think it is a concern. You guys probably disagree with me, but the Hunter Green getting roped against the Blue Jays. Listen, I play with a guy by the name of Randy Johnson, okay? Randy Johnson had great, great stuff. He never would give up five home runs, right? I mean, if you have such great stuff and you're throwing 100 miles an hour, how do you give up five home runs with that stuff? And someone will say, well, Trace, uh, maybe he throws too many fastball. Luis Castillo, the other night, threw 43 straight fastballs. Right. It, that's what he did. So you can get I'm not saying you can get by the big leagues with just one pitch, but to give up five home runs. And this isn't the only time he's done that. Right. He's given up five, six home runs before in a ball game. Do I, is uh, that right I, or wrong? I believe in one time. Uh, I don't have this off the top of my head, but I believe he's given up four maybe in a game previous. He's been hit hard, Tracy, to your point. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, Nolan Ryan, when, when we faced Nolan Ryan, we weren't going to hit four or five home runs. Now, Nolan Ryan might lose. He might walk a few guys. But you're not hitting a ton off these guys. Roger Clements, you know, Brett Saberhagen. Those guys aren't giving up gopher balls. And I don't know why Hunter Green is giving up those home runs. He must fall one. His ball must be extremely straight. And number two, he's probably throwing a light ball. And it's just right. kind of five home runs is a lot, you have to admit. Uh, Nick Kirby, who is uh, also a part of Chatterbox Reds, is about as quick as they come when it comes to statistics, said Randy Johnson has given up four home runs three different times in his career. But to be fair, I guess to your point, and in general, Nolan Ryan also gave up four home runs in 1989. The thing is, is this. I asked the question the other day, and I wanted to know what your opinion is on it. Hunter Green is in a situation where I think that everybody just has touted him as automatically being the ace of the staff. He has, you know, he's looked upon as supposed to be the next Randy Johnson. I say Randy Johnson and a little bit being facetious here. Yeah. But he's looked upon as being a guy that's like a high-end major league starter. For this Reds franchise, does, do you think he needs to be that? Because I, I hearken back to just say, listen, it's okay if Hunter Green doesn't ultimately end up being the guy that we maybe all hoped he is. But if he's a serviceable two or a serviceable three and is still relatively pretty good, above league average, obviously, based off the contract they just signed, that's, I don't say that's all you can ask for, but that would still be a win, Tracy. I think if, if he's a number two, I think that that's fine. But, you know, you gave him a lot of money. 
I still have to question what why what was the hurry to sign Hunter Green to a long term deal? What was what was the rush? What you know, what was the rush to sign David Bell in the middle of the season? Why not wait till the end of the season and sign these guys? I mean, Hunter Green was controllable. I, I just don't know why these general managers make the moves. I and mean, that just didn't make sense to me, this, the long-term deal. Well, Tracy, it's all risk management, right? So, I mean, uh, you're obviously a person that understands risk management probably more than most. I think that that's what it was for the Cincinnati Reds. They thought they had an opportunity of a guy that could have, and they, they I don't want to say they bet wrong yet because the, he still has plenty of time left to try to prove them right and or wrong. But the point is, is that I'm going to make is that Clearly, they didn't know that he was going to have the injury problems this year. If he would have gone out and thrown the ball, thrown the ball really, really, really well, now you're in a position where you probably aren't going to be able to lock him up for the amount of money that they play, basically paid him. And the money that he really got paid, Tracy, mostly, in my opinion at least, is just arbitration money. They, they kind of avoided arbitration by doing that, and they're not paying him a, a whole significant amount more. All in all, though, Here's where I'm at with it. I'm not suggesting you have to think this way, Tracy. It, it, yeah. it, all it is is just the owner's money, right? It's not going to cost the Reds. If you, you can make the argument that if they can't go out and get somebody else because they spent too much money on him, well, then that's where you get into this whole ownership issue or dilemma, right? What's your opinion on, right. on not, the Red, not the Reds' ownership? I don't want to go down that path. But what's your opinion on ownership in general? The Baltimore Orioles' owner came out the other day and basically said that, hey – in order for us to pay all these young guys, we're going to have to raise ticket prices significantly. You have some people that are in the camp that are like, you know, and I'm not saying I'm in this camp because I'm not, that if you want to own an MLB franchise, that's just part of the deal. You better pony up. You got to pay for it. And then I'm kind of in the side of the deal where the economics, even though you're wealthy and rich and a multi-multi-millionaire, maybe even perhaps a billionaire, the, the economics still should have to make sense for you to spend money on certain players. It shouldn't just be this hobby that maybe perhaps people are starting to, to believe largely because of Steve Cohen and the Mets owner as an example. Yeah, well, look at how, how did that work as far as Cohen is concerned. I mean, that, that payroll was, what, a quarter of a billion dollars, and they're still under 500. Look at the Padres. Padres lead in, in hitting. You know, some of the hitters are some of the best hitters in the game. Their pitching's really good, but yet they're five games under 500. I mean, how is that? So... I kind of like the model. I don't think you have to spend a lot of money. I would let those those kids, when they reached arbitration, I'd probably get rid of them and start over. I'd just keep feeding the system. I would do like Tampa Bay does. I know that's not a popular opinion, but when you're a small market, mar market that's what you have to do, Trace. I mean, you just can't keep doing these long-term deals. I, I'm really against long-term deals. And for you guys that like long-term deals, give me a couple long-term deals that have done well, right? No, it's a fair. It's a very fair point, Tracy. In fact, I would argue that perhaps that's the way that the league's going to go for most small market teams here moving forward, because right. the Tampa Bay Rays of the world have ruined it, if you will, for the long term deal. And you know what's crazy? Perhaps the most greatest point to what you just said is Joey Votto. Joey Votto is a guy that had about as good of a career, a good of a career as you could possibly have based off of when you paid him and what you got out of him, right? I know this year he's struggling, but he's 39 years old, going on 40 years old. The truth is, is that he's already played up to the potential and he's already pay played for what he's been paid in his contract, right? That was more of a, a, a deal to where on the back end, you knew you were probably going to get less production out of it. But, but, but to be fair, Joey Votto 
Again, you can make the case, and it's not Joey Votto's fault, one iota at all. Doesn't matter. What I'm going to say has nothing against Joey Votto. But if Joey Votto's contract stopped the Cincinnati Reds from being able to go and make other pieces and plays for other maybe important positions than first base, that was a bad deal for the Cincinnati Reds. And I think that the Reds' ownership in the front office in general came to grips with that, understood that, and decided, you know what? We're probably not going to do any more mega deals like that ever again. Okay, you ready for this? Now, now you listening, right? Everybody listening? I think so. This is not going to be popular, but I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm a big Joey Votto fan. I would re-sign Joey Votto for two years, and I'd bring him back next year. I'd bring him back for three or four million dollars. Think about this guy, Joey Votto was drafted in 2002 out of high school, made it to the big leagues five years later. Look at him, he's never been in trouble. He's the greatest Reds hitter of all time. I don't care what you say, all around hitter, whether we're talking about doubles, on base percentage, combine it, best hitter ever. I'd like to see him finish his career with the Reds. And I think people watching this, a lot of people would agree. I don't want it to be a Ken Griffey Jr. thing where you're playing at Seattle and then you go to Chicago, then you go to Cincinnati. I, I don't like that. Or Michael Jordan. Remember when he went to the Wizards? <laughs> Remember that? Or even Aaron Rodgers. You guys were talking about Green Bay. You know, I think of Aaron Rodgers. I want him to finish his career in Green Bay. I don't like it when those superstars go somewhere else. I would really like to see Joey Votto finish his career. And I think he could do a lot of good for the young players. What do you have, seven rookies on that team? Don't you need a, a veteran presence? You talk about clubhouse and chemistry all the time, right? Joey Votto's great for that. He's hit with power. I just think I would go out and sign Joey Votto, but I'd do it right now. I wouldn't wait till the end of the year. I would sign Joey Votto to a two-year deal. I, 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 I can't agree with you on that. I would not do that under any circumstances. The only reason that I say that is because, again, I don't know what I'm getting out of Joey Votto from, from even the rest of this year, even going into next year. And if, if you're trying to convince me that he'd be willing to come back for league minimum and perhaps just basically vaguely be kind of a part of the clubhouse and the team but doesn't really have a huge role, uh, maybe you could convince me of that. My only kind of counter to all of that is, though, is that everyone's a competitor, Tracy. I know Joey Votto's loved by the fans. I know he's been a team player his whole entire career. He's been a good kind of clubhouse guy his entire career. Nothing yep. he has done that makes me believe that he wouldn't be that. But I also don't think Joey Votto's ever been in a position where he's had to sit on the bench. And he's been a bench guy for a long period of time. I'm not suggesting that that would turn him completely sour. I just don't know if you get the same Joey Votto you get. That, that you've had your entire career here in Cincinnati when he has to genuinely sit behind guys for long periods of time. And from a roster management standpoint, um, it's just not there anymore. I hate to say that. I don't want to be that guy. But usually good organizations know when the time is up. The time is up, Tracy. And uh, I, I just say this. I've been trying to. I haven't been doing a good enough job of this. I need to enjoy the last, whatever it is, two months of Joey Votto's career here. I do. I have yeah. not been doing that. I've been getting frustrated, quite frankly, that the production's just not been there. It's been abysmal, if we're being completely honest. Since the All-Star break, Joey Votto has not been good. However, however, it's not really, I don't say it's not his fault, but, and I feel like I'm being a little bit of a push over here, Tracy. Maybe a little participation trophy, a little rubbing off on me here. But in general terms, 
I give Joey Votto a pass because I don't think it's his fault that, one, we're asking as much out of a 39-year-old first baseman as we are, and injuries have forced him to be in the lineup against guys he should never be facing. He should not be facing yeah. any left-handers. He's having to go three, four. He's having to go three or four at bats in a game right now, Tracy, when he should never be facing those guys, and it just makes him look—I don't say worse, but it makes him look bad. So I, I, I feel yeah. a little bit bad for Joey, but as far as an idea of bringing him back, I would actually sit down with Joey and have an honest conversation with him about this. Does he? Would he be willing to come back and be? You know, I know this sounds weird and simple. Does he want to have some kind of? Um, you know, they always make up names down there at Great American Ballpark and throughout Major League Baseball for, for jobs. Give a guy, make up a job. Make up a advisor. Make up a job for Joey Votto. Tell him you're going to give him a, a certain amount of money for a certain amount of time. See if he'll take it. If he wants to take it, great. If he doesn't, that's fine. He has every right to leave as well. But, but if I was the Reds, I'd consider doing that. I'm not signing him to be a baseball player again, though. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Just one more thing before I go. I got to tell you. Uh, I saw it. Marty was there, right, for the y'all's, the Tracy Jones bobblehead. That's right. Uh, we were in the suite. Now, toward the end, you won't believe this, Trace. I caught Marty in the corner playing with my bobblehead, if you oh. can believe that. He was in the corner. It was just no one. Act. He's sitting there talking to it and playing with it, bopping his head like this. It was so cute. You should have seen it. Was he talking to it? Oh, he's talking to it. You know, you remember when you used to have those army men? Used to play with him like that. Marty was doing that. Hmm. I don't know. You might want to ask him if you have him on the show. Yeah, I might have to ask him. We might have to get Marty back on. I have to reach out to Marty. Uh, Marty, obviously Tom's been out with the vocal cord situation. I know that the, the last time you were on, I don't know if it was the last time or maybe the previous time before that, you were, <laughs> uh, it was Paul, was it Paul's last show? It was Paul, one of Paul's, one of the final shows Paul was doing. And uh, you were, you were, you obviously didn't know about uh, Tom's situation. And I think that I seen the wheels turning there for a minute. You were trying to figure out what was going on. Um, and uh, you kind of laid back. But uh, we hope Tom is back relatively soon. Uh, but he's dealing with the vocal cord situation that uh, that plagued him a little bit earlier in his career. So uh, hopefully Tom will be back better so. than ever soon. I think so, too. I hope so. All right, Tracy. Well, we appreciate you coming on here. I know that uh, I do want to apologize, though. I'm usually a pretty good communicator. At least I pride myself on that. I've not been the last few days. I finally remembered that I needed to text. Reed's over here saying that I big lead the big leader. That's not what I was trying to do. But ultimately, if that's the way that it was, if that's what happened, my apologies. I did get back to you, though. I did get back to you. Yeah, yeah. Reed, Reed has it right. Reed had it has it right. Now that you're sitting in the big chair, Trace, now you think you're a big shot. And now you said you don't get back to me. No, here's the thing. I don't get back to you. That's how this works. I'm a big league. <laughs> I'm a major league baseball player. And Elliot, go to the UL's game. You'll pull some wool. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, Tracy. Next time you're on, right, we'll have to discuss your golf game. Do you play any golf? Uh, no, working on no. it. No. All right, you're working on it. All right, good to hear. We'll have to just have that discussion maybe next time you're on. All right, Tracy, thank you. None other than Mr. 29, Tracy Jones, and or known as Mr. Jones from Elliot Rearing. Elliot, I love that you do that. That's a good bit you got there. Thank you. I try my best with the bits. But, yeah, I, I, I understand where uh, where kind of the uh, the logic lies with some of the uh, the sports outlets. I do know the people in the chat are all over me about who I like, this, that, and the other. I feel like I should probably tell you once and for all the reason that I like some of these teams is because of family connections, and uh, and uh, that's largely it. That's the only reason as to why I like the Green Bay Packers. Otherwise, I'd probably be a Bengals fan. 
And I'd probably be a little more knowledgeable about the Cincinnati Bengals. But sometimes, if we're going to be honest about it, it's nice to hear from an outsider, somebody that's not ingrained into the into the uh, state-run media that, that yeah. exists within the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah. You guys want to have your own narratives, your own belief system, that's fine. I'm telling you, it's hard to win in the NFL. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. To think that you're going to be in the same spot you are now as you are in maybe six years from now just because Joe Burrow is a quarterback, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Maybe you'll clip this up in six years and Joe Burrow will be holding a Lombardi over his head. My Trace, I, I don't know if you remember, but after Joe Burrow uh, got drafted and, you know, we put a lot of stock. I mean, we put him on a pedestal before he played one one snap for the Cincinnati Bengals. You just kept coming in the office and you just kept going, tell you what, Joe, better, Joe Burrow better work out. This city's putting a lot of stock in him, putting a lot of stock in him. And we have, we have, we still maybe have put too much in him, but he's, he's dependent on our happiness here in town. I think Jordan Love's going to be great. I think he is, too. I think he's going to be great. This isn't a Packers show. That's the one thing I understand. I mean, people are like, oh, how in the world? We got, we got hosts that are Cubs fans and Packers fans running a Cincinnati sports talk show. Well, okay, well, I'm a Reds fan, uh, and, and, and Reed's a Bengals fan, so it kind of works out in that way. Together, we're a Cincinnati together, fan. Together, we're a Cincinnati <laughs> fan. If you match up me and Reed perfectly, we are the ultimate Cincinnati fan. The, the other side of the coin, though, is that we're also not going to be fake. I'm not going to sit here and act like I like some team just because I run uh, a, an organization in Cincinnati. And that being said, I, I do genuinely hope best for this city and I hope best for the Bengals. Sometimes it gets a little nauseating having to hear about certain things over and over and over again, a la Lou Armadillo and the defense that he has. But outside of that, I hope the, I hope the Bengals have all the success in the world. In regards to the Packers, we'll see where it goes. I've been on the mountaintop as a Packers fan. It's been great. It's been fun watching them. And uh, you know what? If I have to have some lowly years because of it, so be it. We'll see where it ultimately goes. But don't look back now. Jordan Love's looking pretty good. It's looking pretty good. Have a pretty good track record in Green Bay of having good quarterbacks. I don't know. Bre Brett Favre left. Everybody said, oh, no, here goes. The Packers downfall. Aaron Rodgers. And he stole all the money from Mississippi. And then he, and then he just decided, he decided they needed a there. new volleyball arena in Mississippi, and he just threw it all away. We'll see what Aaron Rodgers does next. Maybe he'll end up being a criminal. And maybe in 20 years, Jordan Love will be in the Hall of Fame and be <laughs> what, a criminal, too. What makes you think that Jordan Love looks good? Well, I watched him throw his, passes. It's yeah, it's certainly not his play on the field, though. It's not preseason, is it? I knew you were going to go to there with the preseason. <laughs> I'm not saying thing. it's preseason, it's, is it? It's, it's, it doesn't matter. And that's why I'm not making a huge deal about it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And you're right. I got to be honest. You're right. It doesn't matter. All that matters is what happens week one. Uh, tomorrow, if, uh, if we're in a situation where – I do want to ask everybody in the chat and you guys. We'll go through the league. I want to figure out who you think in each division is the overperformer and the underperformer of each league. We'll do that tomorrow. And until tomorrow, you take care of yourselves. And I think just maybe, just maybe, the golf match between Elliot and Trace will be out tomorrow. I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. But besides that, as always, thank you for watching the show. We love you. Even if you disagree with me, I don't care. Thank you for watching the show. I still love you. Take care, everybody.